Welcome, friends and family, to the Local Axe Only podcast. I'm here with Lee Farajan and my good buddy Joe, as always. I'm Jack. How you doing, Lee? I'm doing good, dude. How are you guys? How are you doing? Doing just dandy. Yeah. Nice. We just discussed earlier, but this episode of the podcast, it's just going to be Lee asking us questions. (laughs) Just trying to make sure your hosts are feeling good. No one's ever checking on them. No, no one asks us how we're doing. What the fuck? (laughs) Um... So, to get right into it, I think me and Joe wanted to start with the EP that you released recently. Ooh, um, cool. Secrets EP. It's on Bandcamp. Only Bandcamp, right? Bandcamp is the only spot that it's at right now. Uh, I'm definitely going to be getting it up onto Spotify. I've just been working on some like acoustic music recently, you know, like another mm-hmm. album. So, I could just kind of put them out at the same time, you know. Mighty nice. I'm going on the streaming platforms. Album? Like good stuff. Yeah, definitely the acoustic stuff is going to have a f- couple more songs on it. Ooh, nice. I like it. Like, it's good. So, a full acoustic album. Pretty much. I mean, it's pretty stripped down. It's all inspired by, like, the quarantine, being locked up and stuff. So, this one is more, like, just me, just guitars, just vocals, you know. So, it's pretty easy to track and everything, you know. Nice. But, yeah, definitely a couple extra tunes on that one. Rough, like, how many songs would, it, would you know, rough uh, Probably between eight and ten I have like 12 songs tracked, but I don't know if I want to use all of them. Yet, if you're gonna you know? keep, yeah. Some of them I feel like maybe the full kind of electric version of the song will will be better, you know? Right. Gotcha. Well, I don't know. We'll see. It'll be like that. That's how it goes. But stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> so you just said all by yourself. Was Secrets not all by yourself? I thought... No, that, that was definitely all me as well. Okay. But, um, you know, I did a little bit of like programming, like I didn't uh, play live drums on it or anything like that, you know, whereas the uh, um, the acoustic album is going to be, it's all like live instrumentation and stuff. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I, I found that, uh, I was taken back when I heard this, I was like, because I was told that it was, uh, it was all you doing, I was like, Lee can sing, oh my god, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. That was really good, yeah, you have a good voice, bro. I uh, thanks, uh, I appreciate it. Uh, but I was really enjoying and got hit real good by the the vibes of of the of secrets uh or the secret um very contemporary jam band like funky kind of vibes gave me yeah definitely was getting into the funky music at that time you know for sure i loved it what uh, envelope filters and stuff like that uh yeah of course the class is a staple um what kind of like vibes were you aiming for when it comes to like bands? Because I picked up on like you know it sounded like pigeons playing ping pong, some fish in there. And definitely, uh, definitely areas. pigeons playing ping pong and like and Wolfpack are like bands that I've been listening to a lot within the last like year or two. You know, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the funky music. It's just like such like feel good stuff. You know, like it makes me like want to party and stuff. You know, oh yeah. So a lot of the music that I write is like. Uh, more kind of introspective stuff like the stuff that I have vocals on you can tell it's not as like much of like a party time kind of vibe yeah so uh, with the instrumental stuff I really like to get you know get a little funky get a little a little bit more happy with it you know of course you gotta do that sometimes it's cool that you use the word introspective too because I I took uh, a note of that I was like halfway into this album the second half kind of gets more mellow, not sad, but mellow, and just like really steered a, like heavily away from that contemporary jam vibe. And like the first thing I thought of was kind of reminded me of Joni Mitchell a little bit. That's interesting. Um, just it definitely gets more the uh, 
more of that acoustic kind of folk right indie folk sort of thing going you know yeah and i dig it it was very uh just chill i like it and you were able to do it pretty seemingly uh seamlessly is that the right word yeah seamlessly i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna say that's the right one to use yeah no doubt um something we actually disagreed on earlier i i wanted to use the word psychedelic and I was like, "How do you feel about that?" Tonally, I I didn't really hear. Not in the aspect but... of like, like being like psychedelic rock or anything yeah. like that, but as a characteristic. Yeah, I definitely of think the that, vibe. that there's some of that in there. Obviously, with the funky tunes, you can hear it, you know. But even with the other ones, um, like the acoustic ones, there's a lot of like, sort of delay and and reverb and stuff, just kind of meant to have that sort of trippy vibe to it, you right. know. Even on the acoustic ones. There you um, go, Joe. Well, maybe I'm just maybe I'm a stickler, bro. Maybe I just like splitting hairs. <laughs> Joe just doesn't like psychedelic. I mean, you know, there's a there's a spectrum to it though, because like obviously it's not like it sounds anything like Jimi Hendrix or anything, and that's yeah. like what a lot of people would think of when you say right. psychedelic. Rock yeah, I think that's like what that, you know. Yeah, Joe I just, went to when I said that. I noticed that. No, no, it's not that. It's actually quite the opposite. I noticed that people have a tendency to mislabel funk. As, like as being psychedelic when it's mm-hmm. not. I feel like yeah, like when it comes to the tone color of psychedelic of music that is described with the word psychedelic, I feel like not a, a lot of people nail it. But not not to say that there's a a, a right or wrong way. It's all so subjective. Like what, you can hear uh, anything. And what kind of like genre labels would you guys put on the? Well, it's like I said, uh, contemporary jam band with funk influence. I never know what to call like. Because sometimes I feel like when I'm writing songs, there's kind of like a a spectrum of what it's going to sound like, you know? There's a lot of different music that inspires me. So a lot of times I just label myself as like experimental or alternative or something like that. That's like, you know, it doesn't even really put you in a box. It's just like, this is whatever you think it is. That's what it is, you know? Don't you find it so weird how as music has progressed, like we've gone from having so like like very simple uh, borders of genres of music like back in like the 70s 80s and whatnot yeah. and then as it went on all like the trees of subgenres expanded so much to where people Definitely are like true, it's yeah. fucking like i don't know macaw rock or some bullshit and then like, like uh, part of it is like the uh, sort of accessibility of uh recording music that there is now you yeah know? Whereas you, like a long time ago, you would have to go to a studio or a label or something, and then they're going to have their kind of vision of what it is you're producing, you know? So there's only like a handful of those places where you could really go get that stuff done if you go back far enough, you know? Right. But now, now, like, yeah, everyone's just doing it at their house, so it's like you get so many different, like, creative minds. Like, it's great. Honestly, it's great hearing, like, all the different, the way that music has really expanded. Yeah, and yeah. You, what I find hilarious is that now it's gotten to the point where, like what you just said, most people are like, eh, I, I make alternative music, or like I just yeah, make. So no it's kind of like going back, and now instead of all of these different subgenres, everyone's just gonna be like one big one. Yeah. Like everyone's just gonna like Everybody technically classify indie. themselves under one genre. Yeah, I make music that isn't all the other music. <laughs> yeah, and then eventually until it's it just, is dude. until exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just gonna be just making pop music. You know? Yeah. Um. Do you want to real quick run down like so the names of the tracks it goes Lydia the secret a breeze rolls by and rosewood like what the meanings of those names are to you or is that 
yeah sometimes too personal I don't no know. that's that's totally cool i got you um so for the first one uh lydia is is like more so based on the like the lydian scale oh. because it's like a tone that i really like it's like really like airy i guess it's hard to describe you know but it's fun to kind of improvise over it is so i sort of did it on purpose to like make it the name that people would think was like about a girl yeah it's just like not you know, <laughs> just about music did but. you write the song in a lydian mode in, in lydian uh so you know it's not so much that it's like in a lydian mode i mean pretty much not the whole thing you know but it's definitely like like centers around that like four major seven chord you know you just kind of throw the like sharp four the in there every now and, and again yeah so yeah you know it's like that's sort of where it's at awesome. um but there's no lyrics for that one or anything so it's more of just like a vibe you know mm-hmm. same with the the secret the next one which is like that's just the way that i felt when i made that song i like made that song I was just up late at night jamming with thrifts you know and you know there was nothing going on like work was closed everything was closed at the time you know so I was jamming and I started to like record. I made that riff and that was kind of like the feeling that it gave me. There's like a little like ninth chord that rings out in that one. And it has that feeling that like everything is, it's like, it is a secret, you know, this is a song that would be a theme song for like a secret agent or something like that. You know, if I had a television show, like get smart, but it was me and I was being dumb and it's called get dumb. That would be the the theme song of that song. I love it. (laughs) <laughs> love that i can imagine Beautiful. like an old adam west intro but with lee like <laughs> yeah. like, like a batman intro. yeah but that one like ninth chord you know because like the whole thing it's got that like little bass line going on and then when the ninth chord rings out to me it gives you that like real kind of mysterious sort of sound you know mm-hmm. and i don't know as i was doing that i was kind of like not really showing anybody and stuff so like it was a secret i was like this is the this is what i'm cooking up you know in my room um so yeah, I guess that's where like the the name came from for the whole thing, I guess. And then, what do we got after that? A breeze rolls by. Breeze rolls by. Um, that song, like, I actually went through a couple different iterations of it. I have like ones that I recorded previously that I don't think were as high of a quality. Um, it used to be longer and have more lyrics, um, but it's kind of just like, like putting together like nature to like signify like the passage of time, you know, that's like what's going on a lot in that one. Vines growing and breeze going by, like things moving and changing, you know? So that's pretty much like what, uh, what that song is about and where like the title comes from, you know? Mm -hmm. And then the last one is Rosewood. And that's just another music thing. It's just like a, a pretty tone would you know something that like sounds really good so i don't know it was like a, a riff that i really enjoyed and like the little whistle and stuff like it had this kind of rustic feel to it so i just named it after like a nice looking piece of wood you know nice sounding piece of wood that's awesome man i love that very uh that's what i thought of definitely when i heard yeah, that. yeah. i i figured Thanks. i was like okay like lead the guitar like <laughs> <laughs> you know Yo, Rosewood, Rosewood guitar, yeah I mean they're great yeah um but that's very interesting the the Lydia it being like based on Lydian like I find that really cool because I was definitely like hmm, I'm gonna get to know who Lydia is <laughs> I <laughs> no. like to uh, you're like no nope. I like to throw people off with that kind of stuff too yeah you know because it's like 
whatever you're passionate about, you can write about it in a song, you know, but like you can always, anything can be like personified, I guess. It's just like a sort of like writing technique, storytelling technique, you know, and I feel like it helps people who are listening to it understand better, like what you're saying, you know, if you're just like, I love this random thing. <laughs> people are like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, when, I, when I saw the name, the first thing I thought it was like Beetlejuice. I thought of Lady from Beetlejuice, but you know, I mean, that'd be classic. Dude. I like yeah. it, you know, it's cool for people to kind of find their own interpretations of things. Yeah, too, you know, like lyrics and stuff like that. Oh yeah, definitely. I love I, to be mysterious about that stuff. It's one of the cool US. things about songwriting and stuff that I feel like a lot of people um, like understate is that like. Being ambiguous in your songwriting is good because I don't know if you can reach more people. Yeah. Because then people can interpret it any way they want. Sure. You know, like you'll be listening to a song, you'll be like, definitely know what those lyrics are about. Like, because like you feel it and like it yeah. makes you remind reminds you of something, but then you For actually sure. like look up what they're about and it's not at all that. But you yeah, know, it's and really good. It, it is hard to get people to identify it when you're being like really super specific with your own life. Right. You know. I was like, yeah, I got into my Toyota Corolla and I drove <laughs> to my friend Jim's house. It's like people aren't like really tuning into that, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. But I don't know. If you're more like vague, then there's more ways that people can just like bring it back to their own life and it reminds them of like something. Like that's how music has mostly affected me is like it comes to me at a time in my life when there's something else going on and like I have these kind of associations and stuff. So like songs that I listen to definitely mean stuff personally to me, even if it's got nothing to do with the artist at all, you know? Right. Even if it's like, this is the song that was on when I was hanging out with this person. That, like, makes you feel a certain way, and, like, that song is, like, it is what it is to you, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's really cool when people can, like, hear your lyrics, and it's, like, it hits them in a new way, and then they tell you, and you're like, oh, shit, like, I never even thought about that, you know? Yeah. It kind of goes against my general, like, my my kind of loose general belief of, like, artist for the artist because that very prospect of music that we're talking about contradicts that belief because at that point when you release a, a song like that and it's reaching so many people or it's, like, you know, a ton of different people are identifying with it or relating to it in different ways, kind of doesn't become the artist's song anymore, really. It's just kind of in the ether of music. It kind of yeah, belongs no, yeah. to everyone, in a way. She or belongs sure. to the streets. <laughs> to the streets? Yeah. Damn. That's true, yeah. I mean, you know, like, once it's out there, it, then it sort of does belong to the streets, you know? If people <laughs> are using it for their own purposes, like they're listening to this song to psych themselves up, even if you're like, no, don't psych yourselves up to that, you know? <laughs> it's it, damage is done, you know? Yeah. <laughs> is, don't, don't psych yourself up. <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask, uh, the album cover, uh, was that you? or No, so uh, my friend Zach, shout out to my guy Zach. Shout out Zach. Zach Cav Art. Hit me back. D-A-C-C-A-V-A-R-T. <laughs> That's the Zach Cav Art. That's him on Instagram. Um but yeah, so he's he's just a good friend of mine, you know. He's like a longtime friend, and he does this absolutely savage artwork, you know. He's super good. He's always posting amazing stuff, you know. And, you know, I knew that, like, I've seen him, like, his process and how he can um, come up with art for music and stuff. Like, he's not so much a guy that will, 
like just take a, a commission and you know do a random thing it's like he wants to like believe in the art and stuff you know mm. so he had me send him the songs and he was like listening to them and like he came up with that thing on his own you know i have like a tattoo of a purple octopus on my shoulder and it's like my favorite animal you know yeah. and so he it was his idea to have it be like the octopus with all the different instruments that i play so he like asked me for a list of it you know oh and it was it was dope you know because it was like it was never something that i would have thought of you know i was like if you could just draw like stylized me with my guitar that'd be perfect and he was like nah dude <laughs> i got something so much better dude, let me do my art <laughs> yeah, no, it was, dude it, it came out so like sick. Yeah, what a hookup it looks great yeah i love that i would i think i told you i said it to you it was like i would get that tattooed on my body like that's yeah. how fucking cool that shit looks that would yeah. be dope yeah <laughs> you got my blessing <laughs> <laughs> how um well what what about an octopus that you uh is that you love so much just yeah, out of curiosity octopus, it's my spirit animal um you know i mean i just think that it's like like a very weird kind of like alien thing you know it's definitely like bizarre looking creature you know but they're also really smart you know like if you have some food in a jar an octopus is like one of very few animals that will like learn how to open it and get it out rather than smash it you know to get mm. what's inside so you know i definitely like identified with that type of thing like this thing is like smart but it's like misunderstood you know because it's weird so people are like what the fuck is that thing you know like that's me <laughs> i'm, so, like, I'm starting to feel me, like you one too right? yeah bro <laughs> yeah what i'm saying dude what is your octopi in this room on yeah the podcast? I, I love the uh the that like witcher style bestiary entry you wrote about yourself in this <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. you're like yeah this is a uh, band camp that was really good i love that yeah, Here, just me being a goofball. Only, um, <laughs> so for those of you who don't know Lee, he is a reclusive musical creature typically found in areas of remote wilderness, can be identified by the sound of music in the air, an ever-present baseball cap, and thick-framed glasses. His diet consists of fruits, vegetables, and psilocybin mushrooms. If you encounter him in the wild, do not be afraid. The animal is quite docile when offered cannabis, but may flee if you're a narc. <laughs> I was gonna I, love that. I was gonna open it up with that, but I forgot. So thanks. Honestly, like that's like I should make that my Tinder bio. <laughs> oh, <laughs> dude. That might work. That would be amazing. <laughs> it's a good intro. That that's who I am. Because that <laughs> would like ward off all of the like basic girls. Dude, and then like definitely me being exactly who I am. Yeah. They'll know right in the face. <laughs> exactly. They will know. <laughs> yep. I'd be intrigued. If I read that, I'd be like, Yo, this dude's wild. I'd, yeah, I'd, 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 swipe, I'd swipe right, All shit. Right, dude, I got two matches already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. So, uh, I guess I, I kind of wanted to talk on this. Is, is there anything other about this, about secret, the secret? That you want to, um, anything well, general? while we're talking about it, I kind of want to ask about like your journey through instruments and stuff like that. Because, oh, yeah, no I mean, you're... If, I always have known you as like one of the most insane guitar players that I know, but I didn't really like, I've, I've always heard you like playing piano and like drums and stuff, but I didn't realize that you were like that serious about it until I heard the EP and I was like, Oh shit. Okay. I was like, all right. Okay. Uh, okay. Music is like, 
my main deal, you know? Um, guitar is, is for sure, like, my main instrument. That's what I started on when I was young and everything. How old were you? Um, I think I was, like, 11. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because it was, like, mad long. It was, like, 15 years ago, you know? Uh, but, yeah, so I started on guitar. I was taking lessons, but I never had, even at that time, I was not aspiring to be a guitarist. I was trying to be a musician. And I think that uh, a lot of people, like instrumentalists, kind of can put themselves in that box, you know? They're like, this is what I do. And, like, I don't do, I don't do, I can't play drums, you know? Oh, it's like, saying. well, you know, there's, like, there's definitely parallel skills going on there, you know? Like, rhythm is an important part of any instrument that you're going to play, you know? So playing drums, even if you are not going to dedicate yourself to it as fully as the guitar, it'll still help you when you play the guitar, you know? Right, yeah. So I started playing drums because I just would, like, you know, before I was doing anything serious with music and I was still very young, I was jamming with other guys. Like, we would make these little... These little bands, you know, where it's just like, you know, I'll have my mom take me to your house after school. And like, that was our band, you know. Uh, but yeah, one of my friends played drums, so I would jam on his kid all the time. He eventually upgraded. That kid's like a savage drummer now. And he gave me his first kit that he had. So I was able to like practice drums a little bit at home. Uh, same thing with like a keyboard, you know, I had a little Casio keyboard. And um, when I started taking music theory in school, Music theory was all mostly done on the piano. So then it was like you're getting a little bit of all these different things kind of coming in. And like, I don't consider myself a piano player, you know? It's like, that's it's a lot harder for me to kind of adapt to things going on on the piano. I can maybe learn stuff, but it's a lot quicker that I can pick up on music on the guitar. Mm. Um, but like I said, just putting a little bit of time into each one, I think, just helped me like become a more like roundabout musician, you know, where it's like now I understand the theory because of the keyboard and I understand the rhythm because of the drums, you know. <clears throat> and so when I'm playing guitar, it's like there's kind of all that to work from, you know. Yeah. It's like, you know, when you play one instrument, like people, like you said, don't realize that all those aspects, they're, they, they're in like other instruments. So if you're playing a sure. single instrument for a while, you can you can wrap your head around one and stuff like that. But um it kind of it reminds me of I don't remember who told me uh, who said this to me, but it, it's a uh, everything in music is really confusing. But the more stuff you just learn and accept, then everything else starts to make sense. Like the yeah, more you yeah. learn, the more everything you already know makes more sense. It's, it's very weird. True, yeah. Because yeah. for me, theory didn't come right away. You know, it was like I was learning songs and stuff. I, I had a guitar teacher who just like teach me whatever song we wanted to learn. Unless, you know, if it was out of my scope, then he'd be like, let's work up to that, or here's this easy version of that, or whatever. But I didn't know, like, I, I knew, like, what I was playing. I didn't know why anything right. made sense or didn't make sense, you know, why chords went together and stuff like that. Um, so when theory, like, when I started to take music theory in school, and it was just, like, every day going in there and being like, Oh yeah, okay. Oh, now I see. You know. Yeah, exactly. It was all the stuff I'd already been doing just started to make sense. You know. That's like any conversation I have about music with like Joe or Armin. Yeah. I'm, it's just like, 
Oh, okay. <laughs> I see. Just today, and it was really like the first time that we did, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's dope. He's really good, dude. You know? He's he a fucking mad man. Yeah, he's a savage pe- uh, pianist. Pianist. Yeah. He has a savage penis. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had the pleasure of of jamming with him once. Yeah. I thought you were gonna say seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Maybe someday. <laughs> <laughs> Come on the podcast, dude. This will turn into a real Howard Stern. Type thing. <laughs> <laughs> so this one's rated X, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I feel like I know the answer, but I kind of just want to see what your response would be. So, like, what if? How do you think it would change your music if you had only ever played guitar? Like, what would the Secrets EP be like mm. if you only play guitar? That's or would it even be? Would it have even happened? I don't know if it would, you know, um, because at the times when I was really just focusing on guitar, it's, I mean, it's still my main instrument, it's still the thing I put the most practice into and everything. Um, but at the times that I was really like hyper focused on it, that's the main thing that I wanted to bring to the front of the music, you know. So, um, if you guys ever like learn songs like especially rock songs where it's like it's got this kind of notable classic guitar riff that everybody's everybody's into and then you listen to like the bass riff and it's really just one note yeah just do 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 and then they'll go they'll change with the chords or something but there's not a lot of variety to it to me those are like songs that were clearly written by the guitar player yeah exactly and he didn't really necessarily leave room for there to be a more complicated baseline you know and i have songs like that um i guess everybody probably does some things don't need to be made more complicated than they are mm-hmm. um so it probably would have been more of that kind of thing you mm. know, things that were like less heavy on the on the other instruments or you know like i said with this acoustic album that's just guitar and voice you know like i didn't even i think i only recorded bass for like one track on there you know mm. So probably would be more kind of stripped down stuff like that, I guess, you know, but, but part of the whole thing about it for me was, you know, bringing in all the instruments, you know, like finally sitting down and making a song that's not totally centered around guitar. I mean, if you listen to the tracks, um, the secret is the one that's kind of like the guitar solo track. That's what it is, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but the rest of them, I really tried to make it not so much about that, you know. It's like about Yeah, I feel like different the, textures in yeah, music, the you know. Piano really stands out to me in a few of the songs. Yeah, for sure. I really really enjoyed that. Definitely that one Lydia is like heavy on the on the piano, you mm-hmm. know. And the bass too. The bass is like a Yeah. Big, yeah, that bass line on the the bass line on Lydia and I think it was all the other also pretty ripping ripping line on the secret too <laughs> i really liked i was like oh okay lee i see you you're getting funky nice. on the bass i like it yeah the bass i had like sort of doubled up the bass with a guitar riff that i had like made that's where like the secret came from you know um whereas in lydia it was like the guitar riff it actually all came out of lydia actually all came out of a different song that i had been working on um for part of this uh like sort of quarantine supergroup project this guy that i know like sent uh, drum parts to all these different musicians that like were never in the same room and he was having us just like put our spin on it so i got the drum tracks at least the ones that i got it was it was just drums you know so mm-hmm. i basically had like free reign to pretty much 
write the song, you know? I mean, the, the rhythm was done for me, but I, I wasn't matching it up to anybody else's tonal music, you know? Mm -hmm. That's and awesome. Yeah, I got the, the idea for, like, the sort of main line for Lydia, but it was the tracks that I had gotten were much faster. I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to actually take this thing that I'm working on, pull it out of this song, slow it down, and make this into my own thing, you know? And then I gave him a different track, and <laughs> that wound up working out. I mean, that was still still fun stuff, you know? That's rad. That reminds me of Crisis. Um, it's almost it happened almost the exact, the almost like the exact same way you described it. Um, yeah. On Jaco Pastorius' second album, the first track, Crisis, he, all the musicians he had, um, he would not let them hear anything of what all the other musicians were doing. So, yeah. like, no one had any clue of what anyone else was playing at all. And they it's all tight. recorded in separate rooms, and it's, it became, like, just a psycho song. It's really yeah. cool. It's, I mean, you can definitely get some, like, really different sort of ideas that way, you know? Because, I mean, the guy who sent me those drum tracks... You know, it's it's just drum stuff that I probably never would have come up with on my own, you know? So it gives me a new, like, playground to work in as a musician and as, like, an improviser, you know? It's yeah. like we're, we're just building this playground one piece at a time, you know? And then when it's time for a solo, that's when it's like, all right, dude, like, go. Now you can go play. Go use those monkey bars, you know? <laughs> nice. That's what it's all about. Is that something we could find somewhere? Uh, so I'm not sure if that's all done yet. Um, I mean, I can definitely show you some mm. some, some clips and stuff, mm. you know. Um, but yeah, I'll definitely let you know when it when it's all like coming out. Project is called House Punch. House, House Punch. Punch. Yeah, so I love that. You can totally find that on Instagram as well at House Punch. Pretty sure that's it. Maybe it's House Punch NJ or something like that. I can't there remember. Here we fucking go. Learn something new every day. <laughs> no it, doubt. Man. Um. Oh god, we do that too many times. Yeah. I noticed. <laughs> you guys are in sync. Yeah, I think I know exactly what he's going to talk about. So, oh yeah. Um, so it's a pretty not so common thing. So it's very interesting to talk about. But uh, you are a luthier, correct? That's true. That's uh, what I do. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the most fascinating and awesome things I know, or think that someone can be. Um, nice. Very cool. Would you like Appreciate to explain it. to anybody listening who doesn't know what a luthier is, like what a luthier is? For sure. This is what I do. I do this all the time at work, so it's totally cool. Um, pretty much a uh, uh, luthery or a luthieri is like the study of guitars. Uh, so a luthier is somebody who repairs, maintains, builds uh, guitars, and in a more general sense, like fretted instruments. Mm. Um, I guess there's also like a branch of Luthery, that would be for um, fretless instruments, like orchestral instruments. But it really is, like, pretty divided. They're very different, you know? Like, a violin mm. is very different in construction from a guitar or a banjo or a bass or whatever. But those right. instruments have a lot in common. Right, the stringed instruments. Because, like, I was, like, looking at, like, a violin or a viola, like, they already they have, like, the similar F cuts in them that, like, you yeah, would do in, sure. like, a semi-hollow. Yeah, or it has the F hole, you know? So I always thought they would be, like, for someone who could build a guitar, I always thought that it would not there's be too hard to uh, wrap your head around it. There's definitely crossover, you know. Hmm. Um, but they're very different, like I said, sort of just in construction, you know. Um, the 
the uh, fretless stringed instruments have like way more of a radius board, and obviously they're way smaller of like a, a scale length and everything like that. A lot of them use hide glue instead of regular wood glue, so that they're easier to take apart. Because mm. that's something that like you may have to do with a violin. It's not often that on an acoustic guitar you're actually going to be taking it apart. Right. But on a violin, they use this glue that has like a like a lower resistance, like shock value, so that you know if it was necessary, they could just like pop it right open, and glue it back up, and it'd be like no big deal. Oh, mm. see, that's fascinating. I love this type of stuff. Yeah. Um. So, as like you know, I guess the the field of luthiery and working on stuff like that, it seem it's not very common that you would run into someone who who like does it because not every guitar tech is technically would technically be considered a, a luthier so to speak uh yeah, it's definitely uh i mean you know there's a lot of things that they'll share you know um but it's true it is a little bit of a a little bit of a different sort of ball game you know right so and also even like not even many musicians like you can have a musician who's been playing instruments for 30 years and not even consider really the fact or put too much thought in the idea of like who designed and built this instrument uh so how did you get into or how did you gain an interest and want to pursue being like luthier so uh pretty much like when i uh left high school i went to college very briefly as a math major and that was like the the uh subject that i was like best at in school so I was like, all right, I mean, like, if that's, like, the the best subject for me, then I'll just study that, and that'll be the way to do it, you know? But, you know, most people, I think, figure out along their, like, educational journeys, you got to study something that you're passionate about, you know? It's, like, it's really hard to go to math classes every day and take math tests all the time if you're just kind of phoning it in, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, music was, like, my main passion like near and dear to my heart and math was just like just was my best subject at school you know so I learned quickly that like being good at it was not enough to really be good at it you know like you gotta love it so I stopped studying math and I switched over I was studying music and I started out with like music technology but I was really more into like music theory and stuff like that and music performance you know so I did that for a little bit at uh, over at Brookdale And, you know, as like time went on, I was taking these classes, you know, and I was like, what, uh, what am I doing? You know, like what really am am I doing with this music and this math and stuff, you know? And so I was looking for ways that I could put them together. You know, I was looking into the different uh, ways to study music that would be more of a hard science kind of thing, you know? So I was thinking about music therapy and stuff like that. Um, and then I found the Luthery schools just in, on that search, you know, like searching for different stuff to pursue, like education wise, you know? Uh, and so I found that like Luthery was a thing. I was like immediately interested in it. And I looked up all the different schools. There were a whole bunch of them, you know, uh, not, not a whole bunch. I mean, relatively, I guess, to other like trade schools and higher education and stuff, but there's a few of them like across the country and the the ones that really stood out to me that had like the sort of most involved program where you're really building a guitar kind of to your own specs where this place in Michigan, it was like Gallup 
school guitars. And then there was the place that I went to ultimately, which was Roberto Venn School of Luthieri in uh, Phoenix. So I was like looking at those two schools and I wound up going out to visit um, the school in Arizona. And, you know, I just like totally fell in love with it. It's like the craziest place. And I was like, I got to move here and like uh, if I can study this stuff, dude, you know, that's that's pretty much like how I got into it. Just like it took me a while to find it, you know, from the time that I was like pursuing higher education. Like I was definitely bumming around for a little while before I really even knew that it was a thing. Now, uh, how was your your time at Roberto Venn? I know Arizona is very close to your heart. You uh, sure. Uh, like seem to have had a great time there, but I think I recall you 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 saying like the amount of time you spent at Roberto Venn as a whole is really like not that long compared to like regular colleges where people go for like yeah, four for or five sure. year programs or something like that. Yeah, so the Luthieri program there is like six months. Uh, it's an intensive study program. You go Monday through Friday, and it was like ten hours a day. We went from eight a.m. to six p.m. And so wow, we're just working the whole time. You know, like yeah. working straight through. It's like 80% is like sanding, you know. There's a lot of sanding that goes into woodworking, you know. Um, so there's a lot of like sort of time-consuming things that have to get done in that in that time, you know. So you really are like working straight through, you know. You get out of the program like ready to go to a job and work, you know, because like they've been working you to the bone already. Yeah, that's like boot camp, dude. Because like oh, yeah. most colleges, like yeah, go to school for like four years, but like you have like what three classes or four classes a week, maybe depending on how you lay them out. But True, it's like yeah. just six months of five days, ten hour days oh, a week. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's guitars all day. But sounds it's cool because it, you know it is guitars, so it's it's a little bit more enjoyable than I imagined boot camp would be. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then uh, so and then I, I guess the concept of i guess building a guitar um like it's really cool because it's like people think it's like oh this is an instrument but it's like a piece of art that you can play and make other art with it's kind of honestly like the the director from the school the thing that he'll tell you is like it's also a piece of wood like it's it's a tree it was like a living thing at one time you know so he's like you know all about kind of taking everybody on this like journey where he's like okay everybody close your eyes you know and like hear this piece of wood you know like imagine you're a tree he's like that type of dude you know? <laughs> that's awesome oh yeah it was great and it was really great um to have like the sort of duality of that kind of guy who's incredibly creative if you see the kind of guitars he's built they're, they're just like unlike anything if you go into your local music store and look on the wall, a lot of the guitars will be the same, same shapes and stuff, you know? Right. This guy's into building very creative, new idea type things. Um, but then other teachers at the school had the sort of uh, engineering background that it takes to, to build something, you know? And they were a lot more like, if you are going to build the same thing over and over again, here's how you can make your own tools or make your own jigs and things that will help you along the process so that as you start to do it, it'll get faster and faster every time. So you have both of these like presences in the school of like, realistically, this is how you engineer and build something, you know, and make it work. And then 
you know, what is it that you want to build? What's going to set your stuff apart? You know, what do you want it to look like? All yeah. that kind of stuff, you know. I think that's a, like really, really dope. <laughs> I feel like a lot of musicians would be like, I'd love to design my own guitar, but not really like put much thought into like why they're designed that way. Yeah. And like, honestly, along, along the way, you'll probably find things that you wanted to, like you wanted it to work, but it just doesn't, you know? Yeah. Certain designs are like, yeah, I could do that, you know, but that's going to, then my string spacing is going to be off, you know? Right. So there's a lot of things that it kind of forces you to think about, you know? Exactly. Like people are like, you know, why a lot of, a lot of guitars like are have the same shape or whatever. It's like, like take the jazz bass, like body shape. It's like, oh, they shape that way because like contours comfortably when you hold it and stuff. For sure. And it's yeah. like, oh, it's fascinating. I feel yeah, like you definitely want it to have like the horns on there and everything because otherwise it would be too like back heavy you know mm -hmm. they're trying to kind of balance out the just like the center of mass on it too you know so there's a lot of stuff that's like you don't really think about it until you build one and then you you see the things that you fucked up and you're like ah shit that's why they do that too. <laughs> you're like it's a classic you're like a you're like a wand maker from harry potter but for guitars <laughs> i hope that like, it's an art, you know? i hope that one day when you get like you get like really old you become like Ollivander and you're like blind you can like hold a guitar and be like that's maple neck and like alder and like, like sense it and shit <laughs> like, <laughs> like this is an f-cut telly like, <laughs> the thing i like to do with the acoustic guitars especially if like they're new you know like fresh kind of out of the box it's just like give a sniff inside the sound hole because you can smell the like you know the like freshly sanded wood and stuff you know Ooh. so like that's what i'd be doing if i was your blind luthier you know just Oh yeah, that's Rosewood, all right, <laughs> dude. That's sick. Yeah, and you also, uh, yeah, from the pictures that you showed me, a couple, not only from the director Roberto Venn and what he built, but like yeah, some of sure. your own, your own guitars. Um, I, do you want to talk about like the guitars that you built there? Yeah, a little sure, bit. Like good. I was, because they very fascinating. You um, built the, that really cool at, acoustic. At the, at the school, um, you're building two guitars one acoustic one electric and then they do let you like start on a third instrument if you're kind of like you know up to date with all the assignments and stuff like that you know so i had started on a third instrument but as the program starts to go on you know there's a there's a lot of stuff you got to do so i i never wound up uh finishing that one but i do i do have like a fretboard and like a brace top from a parlor sized acoustic guitar that i started to work on um, but the ones that I got done while I was there are the electric, which is like a sort of Fender Mustang shape body. Mm -hmm. It's made out of alder and it has like a figured walnut top and maple neck, ebony fretboard. Um, that will be the electric guitar. The acoustic is rosewood back and sides with like a spruce top. Same thing, ebony fretboard, you know, ebony bridge. And then it has like koa like figured koa uh binding on it and like rosette and stuff so a lot of different uh types of wood going into the whole thing you know bro that was seductive <laughs> it was like, yeah, captivating and also you i think you showed me you have like your signature uh octopus on the headstock yeah yeah i got the octopus on the headstock of the uh the electric guitar um the acoustic has this kind of like uh teardrop like it's like a upside down crystal sort of shape you know um, and that's in the 12th fret inlay, but then I also have it like reflected on the, uh, truss rod cover. Right. So that's like mm -hmm. one of the things I learned from one of the teachers there is to like 
find like a shape or image that kind of inspires you and work it into the guitar like everywhere that you can you know and that way it's like a sort of theme like it's like people will notice that repetition in the thing of like these things all go together you know all the parts of this thing definitely match with each other right so like you can see a guitar that's made like a custom guitar from a dude who does it you'd be like that's a carl thompson i can tell yeah, like, for you know sure. what i'm saying uh did you like before you went to roberto van did you like dabble in like building a guitar like did you ever like get one of those uh like diy kits kind of that they make so um the one carving guitar that i have is like a kit um i didn't put it together myself initially because i i bought it like secondhand from somebody but i did wind up doing a bunch of work to it you know um so i hadn't like built a guitar I hadn't done any of the woodworking stuff before i went to school um but i definitely had given my hand at i mean i i knew how to set up my own guitars and stuff like that but um I had definitely done some like upgrades and changes onto the guitar, you know, just to see if I could improve it at all. So I like swapped out the pickups and the pick guard of that one and stuff. And I had done like tuners, but really it was going to school where I learned how to do most of the like more intense stuff that I've gotten into since then. All the big boy shit. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Rad man. I love it. I can I talk about this for hours, Jack. Yeah. Save me. <laughs> I, 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 no, I think that it's like a really um, cool and interesting quality that you have that I feel like a lot of people in like our sort of generation don't have. Like everyone wants things done for them, kind of rather True. than learning how to do them themselves and figuring it out. Is that something that, feel that you see a lot in like other aspects of your life too? Or is it more of just like a, I was really interested in guitars and wanted to know everything about them? Well, I definitely, I definitely have that in, in other aspects. I mean, guitars and instruments are like my main thing, you know? So that's probably like where I, that's probably where I've gotten the most practice of like doing my own things. Um, but I like to not be relying on other people for things or like relying on things to happen if I can make them happen, you know? Um, so like you guys probably already know, I'm like way into hiking and camping and stuff like that. And I like to like do these like hikes where it's like, it's just you, like you got to bring everything you need. You got to know what you're doing and where you're going, you know, like you go out into the wilderness and it's like, now you're on your own, you know? So, like, you have to be educated about, like, what you're doing and, you know, how you can not get lost and stuff like that, you know? So I do think that it, it's in other aspects of my life, you know, in that if there's something that I can do myself, then I definitely will do it by myself. But, you know, like, obviously just today, I had to bring my car into the shop. So I'm definitely not, like, you know... I don't get a big head about that. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I need help with this. Somebody please help me. <laughs> like my windshield wiper's fucked. Somebody fix it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But um, no, I like to try to do stuff myself like when I can. And I like to learn new things, you know, when I can. So if there's something I can do, then I'll definitely give it a shot at least, you know. The art of self-reliance. Yeah, it's yeah. a, it's an interesting uh, point you bring up about like how you feel people nowadays want things done for them because lee i think you and i were talking about this a couple weeks ago like how crazy it is like how many people 
come to you to pay you 20 bucks just to restring their guitar <laughs> rather than sure. rather than take five minutes yeah to figure out how to restring a guitar i say dude like even that one is like i do think you should learn how to do it i learned how to do it when i was like pretty young and it wasn't that hard it wasn't like i was like oh i gotta wait till i'm 18 to understand this it's pretty easy to do so you know anybody who plays seriously i definitely would tell them you should probably just learn how to do it you know yeah plus you want to know how to do it if you're ever in a bind you know like if you know wherever it's not open you can't bring it to somebody you still want to be able to get it done you know and so that's not even a hard thing but deeper than that like so often people come to me with something that's not working um like electronically and the only thing I have to do is change the battery. <laughs> that, that, no. that, okay. That All right. That, it's like, why didn't you check? The... <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm a victim of that. If, well, I mean, if, look, if you like, remember, yeah. I reached out to you. I was like, I was like, dude, like, no, it's not fucking working. I was like, what do I do? You're like, might be the battery. I was, and I then I changed. Right. I think oh. I actually had. I was going into the phone's input instead of the... <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you know, That'll there's always it. stuff like that. And it is like a learning curve, you know? Oh, yeah. You got to get there. But then once you're there, it's like... Now it's like, okay, now I know how to change the battery and that I do have to change the battery, you know? Yeah. But, I man, didn't even know there like was a fucking battery. <laughs> a lot of people come to me just with just with that problem, you know? It's crazy, man. I even had this one kid came in. He was like, oh, I need a new drum head, a new snare head. And he had this snare drum with him, and it was like a hole punch through it. And you yeah. put it on for me. And but that's the thing. I was like, he was like, yo, can you like put it on for me? And I was like, this kid was like seventeen. I was like, yeah. do you know how to tune a drum? And he was like, yeah, yeah, I do it all the time. And I was like, how long have you been playing drums? And he was like, since I was like ten. And I was like, how do you not know how to put a head on? It's the same thing. Like, not trying to like talk shit on this dude, but yeah, it's just like mean, no. it's the same. It's you just, just put an it indicator on. that you, it's like one of those things that. You know, if if they haven't figured out how to do it, all it means is that they've never tried. Yeah. Because it's not that hard, you know? So it's like, even, you know, even if you're not going to be the guy, even if you're doing it and you're like, you know what, I don't know if that's totally right, maybe I need someone to check my work, you know? It's still better to at least give it a try. Yeah. You know? Because you might save yourself a trip, you know? Or you might save yourself a few bucks doing something, you know? If you're like, oh, wow, that actually turned out to be really easy, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Like changing the, uh, uh, you know, I had to bring my car in today. I'm, that's, I'm totally self-effacing about that. I had to do that, you know? But if I got to change, like, my blinker, that's, like, super easy. Yeah. I just do that like myself, popping. you know? So something like that. Changing the battery, you know? Changing the strings. I'm like, maybe just give it a try before you bring it in. Exactly. And then if you really fuck it up bad enough, then it's like, we'll bail you out, you know? <laughs> that's, like... Something I noticed too is people like people like you could tune it for me, right? And I'm like, oh, you're gonna, <laughs> you're not gonna stick with this very long. Yeah. yeah. Like when I get that question, I'm like, yeah. you're fucked. I, <laughs> I, you have no hope. I've had people that is tough. come into the store and be like, yo, uh, like there's something wrong. With this. Is your tech in? Like, is there something wrong? Like, it's not sounding right. Like, when I do it, and I'm like, it's an no. acoustic guitar. There's nothing wrong with it. I popped a snark on it. I'm like. You oh, just gotta just like tune it, yeah. and they were like, "Steps out of tune." And they were like, "What?" And I'm like, "What do you mean, what?" <laughs> <laughs> like it's you, so it's like, you should play piano. Uh, you should play keep keyboard keyboard. Yeah, you say, have to upkeep the piano. Tuning a piano is a whole freaking 
like process. Yeah, it's exactly. like you need Ableton or you need or like a, a NASCAR pit crew to like tune in <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a grand yeah. piano or something. Literally. Um. Yeah. So, moving on back to so I didn't nerd out about the craft of making guitars for a minute, yeah, but it's all good. It's fun uh, stuff, you know. Yeah. Um. Uh, being musician and working a working musician more specifically um, because I know that before COVID hit specifically you were in a gigging band right? yeah yeah I was playing in a cover band which um, is a pretty like it's a pretty steady gig to be doing like on the Jersey Shore you know because you got the whole Jersey Shore which has a good summer scene party scene you know and like club scene and stuff but then also very close to new york so we would go to like manhattan and we went to the village and stuff to do shows and we're also close to philly so we would go down there and my band um the breakdowns what it was called uh we did book through an agency so every now and again you know we'd be playing shows like further out than the rest of those you know we'd have to travel for them um but it's definitely it's definitely like there's no shortage of gigs doing cover music in bars at the Jersey Shore. You right. Know? Exactly. Plenty, plenty of stuff going on there. Yeah, I feel like um a lot of young musicians who first start playing um almost all of the time will go straight to doing covers or, you know, like just learning songs with their friends in their garage yeah. or something like that. Um but they I noticed that the more you do it, like, so you've been playing for like a couple of months, like you really tr- want to stray away from it. Cause you, yeah, I noticed sure. a lot of people feel like self-conscious about it. Cause you get other like kids or something. Like if you're young, be like, you want to come jam? And you'd be like, what song? You know, like, that's yeah. not what they mean. <laughs> um, <laughs> what song you want to play? I know three. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but they don't really know that that is one of the most common ways that working musicians uh, get paid. So, yeah, uh, for sure. Do you definitely th- where like the money is at? Yeah, you know, definitely. I mean, like I love for me, um, music has always been like a creative outlet. I, I learned songs and stuff in the beginning, um, but I really was always just trying to get to a point where I could take the music that was in my head and translate it to my hands, you know? Like, I was always way more inspired to get the original stuff out there. Um, But after having played for a while and just, like, you know, just kind of, like, developing a certain set of skills, you know, like, it kind of was easy for me. I I developed my ear training a lot, so it was easy for me to hear songs and, um, like, duplicate them. Like, I could learn new songs very quickly so joining the cover scene was not that not that hard because for one thing most of the songs that you play in the cover scene are relatively easy mm-hmm. tunes you know a lot of the sort of pop hits that people want to hear are like three chord songs you know so it winds up being easy enough to kind of get the hang of it you know um and yeah like it was just like it was the first band that i'd ever joined where they were like all right you know we got two shows every weekend for the foreseeable future, you know? And so I was like, oh, dude, that's great, you know? It's not all the music that I'm the most passionate about, but the how steady the gigs are is, like, so important because it allows you to kind of, you know, pay the bills while you are working on your own stuff, you know? So that's, like, kind of what allowed me to 
build up my gear, you know, and get to the point where I could record that EP, you know. Right. How, uh, what kind of songs would do you guys like? What kind of, uh, like you said, so the breakdown, the same songs, uh, yeah. particularly, um, we tried to really do a little bit of everything. Uh, my favorite stuff that we did was like the rock stuff. So we did a lot of, you know, I, I was the lead guitar player and I mostly was playing like distortion and heavy stuff, you know. So the most fun songs for me are obviously going to be like the songs that we do, the rock songs from the 80s and the rock songs from like the 2000s and stuff, you know. Songs like uh, like by Fall Out Boy and stuff, like people lose their minds to that. Yes, sir. Yes, they do. I've... Yeah. So like, you know, that was always really fun. Did I see like a video or a I feel like you showed me a video where I saw you guys doing like Uptown Funk or something like that. We did Uptown Funk. Yeah. yeah. We did that as like a, as a medley. Uh, so we, we did like the rock music. We did some funk music, but like pop funk music. It wasn't mm-hmm. so much like the deep cuts or anything, but it would be like play that funky music, Brick House. We did like YMCA and stuff like that. And, you know, we did do Uptown Funk and that was actually pretty fun. Um, we did like a hip hop medley so we would do songs like that too you know and like a couple of like rap songs um but that was where it was a little bit of like a departure for me that was not a type of music that i had ever like personally really gotten into so as part of the being in the cover band it's like you're not it's not the same as original music where you're going there to represent yourself in the cover band you're going out there to represent the venue you're trying to do, you're trying to like bring the party to the place. If people aren't up and dancing, the entertainment is, those are the people that have to get them up and dancing, you know? Right. So if you go to a place where there's a thousand people, or if you go to a place where there's only five people, you have to like bring the energy and sell the show and get the crowd, you know? So even when we were doing stuff that, you know, like wasn't our individual like cup of tea, we always had to like get into it, you know, and like sell it on stage, you know. Hmm. So that was definitely, uh, you know, it was a great experience to have as a musician. It's like, you know, learning to feel the music, like whatever it is, you know. If you're playing it, it's like you got to be feeling it, you know. Otherwise, everyone's going to see right through you. Right. I'm like clearly like the rock and roll guy, and then we switch to the rap song, and I'm just like checked out. Now I don't care, you know. Then like. People are going to be like, what is this? This guy's a phony, you know? Yeah, exactly. So the whole time you got to be dancing, having a good time, drinking, inviting the ladies up on the stage, <laughs> you know? You got to be getting everybody into it. So let's, uh, what's up? No, no, I just think it's really definitely cool. I feel like people talk down on or think poorly of like cover bands and stuff like that. It's like, oh yeah, my dad, my dad's in a cover band or whatever. Like, no yeah. Doubt. He's like in a cover band, like whatever. But I feel like it's a really cool thing you could do to push yourself out of your comfort zone too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Especially in your fun. in your situation, like doing that yeah, stuff that you're not used doing to. All types of music, you know. Which up until then, I didn't really ever have to do that. You know, I I was always just doing things that I wanted to do. You know, so I mean, you know, we still were trying to pick and choose like the the best stuff, and yeah. we always put a little bit of ourselves into it, you know? A lot of the um, rap and hip-hop songs that we would do, the way that I would try to spice them up and keep them interesting for myself was to double the 
uh, melody that would typically be like a synth that was doing it. But I would keep my guitar on like the heavy distorted setting. Mm. So I'm just like doubling up these like notable, you know, hip hop med- uh, melodies and stuff, you know. And it was a way to kind of keep it energetic, you know, and keep it like loud, but also sort of rockins, which is like true to like what I do, you know. So then at that point, it was like easy. It's like, even though we're doing these songs that maybe I wouldn't, wouldn't be my first choice to put on on the radio or whatever. It's like, I can still like rock out to it, you know, and have a good time. Be authentic, you know, I don't have mm-hmm. to like fake it, you know. Yeah. yeah. A buddy of mine said uh, something a while ago. And obviously, this does not apply to all uh, musicians that are in a cover band or anything like that. Like, obviously, you're amazing musicians, but um, appreciate it. He uh, he was like, if you only play, if you only play covers, then you're not a musician; you're a performer. Like, yeah, I mean, mm, I feel that. Like, and as I, somebody who has done it, you know, yeah, <laughs> I definitely do feel it. You know, um, because especially in the cover scene, you kind of see those those people too that. Um, you know, there's there's some of us that are clearly in it, f- like, for the music, you know, and we're enjoying the musical experience that we're getting out of it. And there's definitely other people that are in that same scene that are clearly just in it for the, the partying, you know? Right. Which is, you know, that's cool. That's fun stuff. I mean, like, I, at some point, it's like, that's why everybody gets involved in music, you know, I guess. It's like... Or like the what, the way that you feel when you hear it, you know, and then when you listen to it, you know, it makes you feel good. So even if it doesn't make you feel good, it makes you feel something, you know. So that's like really important. Um, but there's definitely guys that you can tell are like they're just trying to stick to the the easier stuff. Like the guys in my band, we we had our like routine that we went through, you know. But we did try to put in a couple of different songs and a couple more complicated songs just to you know keep ourselves like fresh and everything um one of the ones that i really enjoyed doing was uh, bohemian rhapsody mm. which is like pretty complicated song you know um definitely has fun guitar parts to play and interesting leads and stuff but it's it's tricky for everybody you know like everybody in the band has really got to like learn their parts for that song because it's very dynamic and stuff. You know? Singer's got some work to do on that one. For sure. For sure. <laughs> we would like switch yeah. over too. my keyboard player did the singing. Oh yeah. Uh, for like the beginning. And then like the singer would like take over, you know? Um, so it was cool. Yeah. Everybody was definitely like pushing themselves to the limit on, on certain things, you know? Yeah. Now real quick, what sparked my interest when you were describing what kinds of music or and types of music you would play at gigs I what like what kind of like situation were those like gigs like? Because I feel like most people when they think of like a gigging cover band, or maybe this is just me, but like I'm thinking of like you know bands who would be booked to play, you know, weddings like uh, that yeah. type of stuff, or like uh, a band to be in a jazz club just to play yeah. like kind of live background music while people are chatting, having drinks and stuff. But yeah, like you seem yeah. like what you were describing it's like no come see this cover band like there you yeah. guys are like the focal well, point did, the thing about those other bands is that they're um they're a little bit of a different kind of sound like with the band that i played in we did a lot of different types of music but everything we did was energy level up to 11 you know right. all the 
songs from the different genres would be very high energy songs that the crowd could sing along to. Whereas in a wedding band, you're going to want to get some good songs for people to dance to, but you're also going to want to get some good songs for people to slow dance to. You right. know? And there's a couple of wedding staples that you might have to learn. Uh, same thing in a jazz band. It's like you don't have to be cranked up the whole time. You know, you can sort of fill the air a little bit more with kind of like lower volume, lower intensity stuff, you know. But we were like a straight up like Jersey Shore party time bar band, you know. So we would mostly do like bars and clubs. We did a lot of casinos and stuff like that. Um, and then we would play at like random places. We did a hard rock cafe down in Florida once. Ooh, damn, um, that's far. Did, yeah. yeah, it was, it was, yeah. it was nice though, because it's just like a little vacation, you know? Yeah, you guys just kind of chilled in uh, Florida for a while. Yeah, it was down in like Fort Lauderdale, I guess. Um, but yeah, so that was dope. And then we did a show that was like right outside. We, we would play outside of the stadium the soccer stadium that's like in North Jersey. I don't know exactly where it's at. It's like Elizabeth or something like that. Um, but yeah, there's like a soccer stadium up there. We did like an outdoor show mm -hmm. outside there, you know? Um, so especially going to the different places and the different crowds, like people want to hear the different types of music. So if we are pulling out all the rock stuff and it's like a, you know, an older crowd, maybe they might not be as into that, you know? So we would have to like break it up. And my singer actually also like spoke Spanish. So that was really cool because we could do like the sort of like Latin grooves too. Ooh. And that's really good stuff, you know. Keeps the drummer entertained because like the Latin percussion is like. It's ridiculous. So fun. Yeah. yeah. It gets people dancing, you know. We, de we definitely didn't have anything in our repertoire that would be like, okay, like everybody, you know, like now will be the time when you sit down and cool off. It was like. Up to 10 the whole time. Balls you know? to the wall. Yeah. Sure. See, it's interesting. Cause I, I I was watching, like, I don't know if it was a video or something, like, but uh, I heard someone who was in a, a pretty much like a jazz or had experience in like a jazz cover band or like one of those jazz bands would be in a bar or whatever. Nice. So like there are moments where like, yeah, like, you know, you can bring the attention to yourself and yeah. stuff like that. You know, this is a song that people will recognize, but it's a jazz band will also recognize and feel out the vibe of the room yeah. when they'd be like, yeah, we just, sometimes you fill the air back so that people can have their conversations and do their thing. Right. Yeah. But they said that sometimes those are fun because like when no one's paying attention to you, you don't have to stick to like a set list For and sure. stuff. You can just be like, let's jam real quick and then no just kind of like do something. And I was like, I don't know. You, do you ever feel like when you're at like a, one of those cover shows, you just, instead of like playing the next song on the set list, you just do like a jam real quick or, uh, I mean, that'll probably deflate. Like that. A, a lot of like what it is with my band is like, we're very interactive on stage, you know, like talking to each other and goofing off with each other. Cause we want the audience to like perceive us as we are, you know, we don't want to go up there and it's like every movement that we have is planned, you know, A to Z. So we're definitely like being the same like goofy guys that we are backstage, you know, like up there on the stage, play goofy songs and we'll do stuff just to like single somebody out. Like, ah, he hates when we play this song. So we're going to play it, you know, <laughs> yeah. make people sing when it's like makes them uncomfortable. You know, it's just like, we're always like goofing off with that stuff. So every now and again, we'll have like impromptu jams that are songs that somebody from the audience wanted to hear. And maybe we don't all know it, but one person does. So they'll be like, all right, well, take it then, dude, play it. They want to hear it, just do it, you know? 
we'll do stuff like that. And a lot of it was in the cover band scene, you know, we're playing, you know, usually three sets in a night, um, sometimes four at certain places, sometimes two at other places. Um, but usually we're doing like three sets. So we're trying to get these start and end times right where they need to be. You know, right. a lot of times venues are, they can be sticklers about that, you know? Yeah. And sometimes there's specific rules why they have to do it. Um, sometimes they don't want people to leave. So they're like, your set is supposed to be over, but you want to keep these, you got to keep these people dancing because otherwise they're going to go. So then we'll be like, all right, let's drag it out. And a lot of times in those situations, that's when they're relying on mostly me to fill space with guitar solos. Mm. So like in songs that we have that like have solos, uh, a lot of times I'll be improvising and I'm just waiting for a cue from my singer for when we're going into the next part. Right. Sometimes it'll be the normal, you know, two, four bars, whatever it is. And sometimes it's like, all right, we got only two minutes left, not enough time to play another song. So we got to drag this song out by two minutes. And then it's Dude, like, that's right, rough. Leave. Play two minutes worth of guitar solos. Oh my God. <laughs> You're going to fill two minutes? Sometimes, Dude. you know, we would do this really long version of uh, uh, What I Got by Sublime, where we would do oh, like nice. solos like bouncing back and forth between me and the keyboard player. And then we did like a double time version. Like we'd, we'd speed up and do double time, you know? Um, so it was like just ways to kind of like drag out these songs to get to whatever time we needed, you know? Um, but it definitely helps you learn as somebody who improvises on an instrument, you know? Right. It's not the same as just learning this solo and playing it the same way every time, you know? It's like, I don't know how long I'm going to have to do this for, so I need to leave myself room to build this thing. Right. You know, I got to, like, structure this lead in such a way that I can go up from here and that I'm not just, like, you know, doing crazy sweeps like right off the bat, you know? And then it's like, <laughs> now I got to do that for two minutes. There's just no, there's no like, there's no escalation, you know? Yeah. yeah. No suspense. So, yeah, it was definitely, uh, it's a great sort of exercise in that kind of stuff. Like doing these, these improvised solos like on stage where it's like at any second they can give you the cue or they can go into the next part. So not only do you have to be ready to build it, you have to be ready to end it, you know? Yeah. I'm doing some crazy, trying to do some crazy shit, and then it's just like, they're right into the verse. It's like, how am I going to transition myself back to the, you know, I'm the only guitar player in the band, so it's like, how am I going to get back to the parts I need to play for the verse, you know? Right, right. So yeah, it's definitely uh, some good, some great, like, experience working in that way, you know? You do... Um, original music and it's like you know some guys are in jam bands and they write songs that have those qualities where they can do that kind of stuff but for me a lot of the songs that i write are kind of very specifically done it's like this is how it goes this is how long it is you know so it's a very different sort of thing being out there and like having to just pay attention to what everybody else is doing and kind of communicate just like with our music you know yeah. Listen for the cues and everything. That's important stuff to be able to like just feel the moment and that instrument. I remember from my time in tech, like the theater I used to work at, we had a lot of shows. We had cover bands come on, on and stuff. And yeah. um, 
there were not so much with like the headliner sometimes, but a lot of times with like cover bands that would open up or whatever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like they'd be like, yeah, we got, we got time for one more. And then me and my tech director are all like seething in the background. Like, yeah. no, nah, your time's up, dude, get off yeah, stage. See, and they don't listen. Really like not trying to <laughs> make anybody feel that way. You know, we were always like, and you know, it's, it's awkward too, because sometimes you play a show and the people in the audience you know, you're playing at bars and stuff. A lot of times people in the audience, like, they might be getting a little tipsy, you know? So right. you get to the end of the night and they're just like, one more song, one more song. And you're like, no, we really can't. Like, we literally can't. We're right. not even allowed, you know? And they're right. like, one more song. And you're like, nah, dude, like, you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> to me, you know? You don't understand. That's why you gotta, like, and then end. They're like, oh, shit. You're like, I'm sorry, bro, but... Yeah, you gotta like end it like five yeah. minutes early and we're be like, be like, all right, we're done, yeah. no more, sorry, and then be like, all right, fine, one more, and then but but that's it, and then it hits that like ten o'clock, the and then too, it's like, you don't oh. want to say like, yeah, we're done, but then you have five minutes left, and then the crowd is like, good, those guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, right. <laughs> oh, that's I'm funny. sure that wouldn't happen. Yeah, um, I've had some. My first share of the, the, the tipsy uh, crowd member experiences, yeah, even as a tech, it was crazy. I had people come up to my lighting board at the front of the house. And was one lady was like really drunk and she was like, can you like make it brighter in here? And I was like, get away yeah. from me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like DJing. People come up to you, can you play this song? It's like, I don't have that downloaded. Like, True. It's not how it works. It's like that's at 150 BPM and I'm at 70 right now. So go away for like 30 minutes and maybe. Yeah, I definitely had a guy come up to me one time. He was looking at like my pedal board and my pedal board is very basic. You know, I just have like just the things I need because I don't want to carry a lot because right. sometimes we got to go like bring shit upstairs or through the sand and like it's a pain in the ass. So big pedal boards can get heavy. I'm yeah. trying to get just everything in one trip. My guitar, my backup guitar my amp, which I have on a roller thing, and then my pedal board. So I'm trying to, like, not get more stuff than I need, you know? And the guy's looking at my board, and he's like, oh, bro, you got the super badass? Oh, you should totally get this. He's, like, one of those guys, like, mm. just trying to tell me, like, dude, you know what you really need is, like, one of these. And I was like, all right, you know, I mean, <laughs> Thanks, I'm dude. already here, so I'm probably not going to get it before the next set. Unless you have one in your car, you're not hearing guy, it tonight. Dude. He came up to me when I was like online to go use the bathroom to like keep giving me shit about that, you know? Jesus. And I'm like, just like waiting to go piss. I was like, yo, like, this is the only time that for a person who was at the show, I was really like, you got to leave me alone, dude. You know, like, I told you nothing's going to change. I got what I got. You know, if you don't like it, you can fucking go somewhere else, I guess, you know? <laughs> But I'm like cornered, like trying to go to the bathroom. I was like, bro, this is not PC, dude, you know? <laughs> you gotta go. Cornered me like that, you know? Um, it was in Manhattan. It's just like some oh, well, that's super why. drunk guy, you know? I was like, guy, like, leave me alone, you know? I'm just working. <laughs> oh, man. You, you definitely told me a few stories about like crazy experiences you've had. As far as, like, I think, what was the last thing you told me that, like, some girl, like, grabbed something off of you when you were on oh, stage? Oh, yeah. That was at that same place, actually. Oh, yeah. We played at this one same place. Same night? In, uh, not the same night. Oh, no. my God. Okay. We played at this one place in um, Manhattan, like, pretty often, uh, Session 73. It's a good spot, you know. It, was, it, it would get a great crowd, and I became boys with, like, the bouncer over there, you know. So it was just, like, a cool, fun spot for us to play. And uh, 
that place is has a very small stage and it's like not very high up off the ground and yeah i was like just standing up there jamming like i'm like way up to the front because we got the drummer behind us so there's like no room really like i'm right on the edge of the stage and i'm jamming this one girl had her leg like up on the stage i thought she was just like resting or something you know and at one point she just like jumped up onto the stage and grabbed my sunglasses like off my face and just kept them and i never even got them back what what it's like i was like singing in the mic and it like completely shocked me you know i was like what the, what's going on you know? <laughs> and then i gotta make eye contact with everybody because like i lost the barrier of having my sunglasses you know Oh my god. Mm. What? <laughs> you know, she, did she just like leave the venue with with them? Like you didn't find yeah. her didn't, after the set? Didn't you say that she said that her friend wanted to talk to you or something? It's true. She took my sunglasses and she gave them to her friend and was like, I mean, if you want to get them back, you got to go talk to my friend, you know? Like she wants to meet you. I was like, well, okay, that's fair. All right. That's that's pretty imaginative. All right, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> So it's, it's just, you know, it's just a weird way to start that kind of thing because at first I was pissed. I was thinking like, this is somebody who's way too drunk and they just took my sunglasses and I'm like going to get them back. Like, Hey, what the fuck? You know? <laughs> and she's like, Oh, actually my friend has them. She said you were cute. You know, I was like, ah, okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a, 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 give you a D for effort. That's pretty creative. Exactly. I guess switch gears in my head, you know, <laughs> uh, before we move on, any other like notable, like crazy ass drunk people things that have happened? Those are always great. Yeah, mm. those are those are always that's entertaining. Good, that's a good question. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus or anything. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh jeez! No, I don't know. I mean, you know, like that's that's part of the. Uh, it's all part of the the cover band scene. You play at a lot of bars, you know. So sometimes. People get rowdy, you know, and like I said, we would book through an agency. So every now and again, they would like put us up at a place. Like when we played in Florida, we had a place to stay. We played in Vermont, we had a place to stay, you know. So sometimes we would get pretty rowdy, you know, as long as we we're good to play the music. Then it was like, you know, we're it's we're allowed to drink at the most of these shows, except for some of the casinos, you know. So, yeah, definitely. Sometimes it was them. Sometimes it was us, you know. <laughs> It'd be like that sometimes. <laughs> was has it ever been to a point where like you or anyone in the band was like too fucked up? Uh, well, we have one show that uh, <laughs> it was like, you know, like I said, it was a place where uh, they they had they had put us up, you know. So like we didn't have to go anywhere. So we all just like brought liquor and we were totally like between the sets, going back to the the rooms and just like chugging it down while we could, you know, and. Yeah, definitely, like, when we started our third set, we we had really noticed, like, you know, this had never really affected our performance before, but maybe tonight. <laughs> maybe tonight. Maybe tonight it really has. Maybe not know? drink this much again next yeah. time. We're looking over, like, we're playing the last set, and we look over at the sound guy, dude, and he's, like, shaking his head. You know? <laughs> We were like, oh, shit. That's he's like, like, he's he's like, like what time is it? We were like, oh, okay. Maybe we'll just wrap it up. <laughs> that's a bad sign. You don't want your yeah. uh, audio guy to be doing that. That's no good. That's no bueno. Yeah, um, so, you know, we had to live it up that night because that was the last time we ever played there. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> so, well, we had a good time. Before, to tell. It was fun. before we move on from the band, how did you get into that band? This is actually... A pretty crazy story you know um 
I'm working as a tech, you know, doing my guitar repair stuff. This guy comes in to get his guitar fixed, and he had, he just wanted it set up. He had never had a setup before. He had this guitar for like, you know, years and years, Easy. and he brings it to these like outdoor gigs and stuff. So it's you know it's kind of warped and acoustic, and he brought it to get set up, and he's like, dude. I got this crazy stuff going on with my band. I'm looking for like a keyboard player and a guitar player right now, you know? And he's like, you like work at a music store. Do you know anybody? And I was like, I play guitar. <laughs> and he was like, uh, I don't know. I'm looking for somebody who's more like, you know, like just able to be on stage in front of people and be cool. And I was like, oh, wow. Was like, oh okay, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he definitely, like, there was, like, a sort of initial moment of him being like, are you sure you're the right guy for this, you know? And I was like, no, but uh, I'll definitely give it a shot, you know? And so I scheduled this, um, and it was weird, too, because his name was also Lee. Mm. So, like, we just were like, oh, two Lees, dude, and we both play guitar. This is tight, you know? So <laughs> we just, like, hit it off right away, and... I told him about this thing that I used to do, this program that I used to be in when I was younger where they would, like, you know, they took, like, young musicians and they would, like, pair you up into bands and stuff and then give you, like, classic rock songs to play and stuff like that. And I did that for, like, many years. So I definitely had experience learning songs that, you know, just, like, sort of classic hits that people knew and playing them on stage and stuff, even though I was pretty young. So I was like, yeah, dude, I mean, I'll give it a shot, you know. I went to the um, the audition, and they had actually found a guy to audition for keyboards as well. He came to audition at the same time as me. We both learned, like, the funky medley that they have, which was, like, five or six songs, you know. And we played them to the track um, with all the transitions and stuff. And I learned all the different parts. I was doing some backup vocals and stuff. And, you know... The guys were like, all right, I mean, that went well. Like, both you guys learned the songs. That was fine, you know. But another important thing is how we all vibe together, you know. Right. They're like, we're going to be together every single weekend. We're going to be working in sometimes stressful situations, but we always got to be cool. We always have to be putting on a good, happy face, you know, and be full of energy. So you can't be one of those people that's like, yeah, everything's cool now, but when shit goes bad then I'm just in a bad mood and I can't be talked out of it, you know? It's like, at the end of the day, we're still the entertainers, you know? So we all got to vibe and be able to deal with each other and travel with each other and have a good time and stuff, you know? Bring the party. And so that was easy. I mean, those guys, like, they're, they're all cool dudes, you know? We all had a good time together at the audition and at the gigs and stuff since then. So it was, it was pretty quickly that, like, I fell into it and really, like, Came one of the boys with the band, you know? Um, but I definitely had to do some kind of adapting, you know? Like, in order to play these gigs, my singer, the, he was the one who was really in tune with, like, what do the agencies look for, you know? Like, what is it that they want to see when they're pitching bands to venues, you know? So there's, like, I've always mainly thought about the music, you know? He's thinking a lot about the appearance, you know? And he's like, here would be some ways that I'd recommend, you know, like styling your hair on stage. Maybe that's how you keep your hair like every day. But, you know, if you do this when we're on stage, that'll really stand out, you know? And he would always say, um, after the gig is done, if you can walk through 
the grocery store and people don't know that you're part of a band, then you're underdressed. You yeah. Know? It's like, you should look like a rock star. So I wear all these, I started getting like skinny jeans and I was wearing these like shirts from Hot Topic that were like too small, you know, <laughs> make you look buff because they're so small. <laughs> And it was, it was dope, dude. It was one of those things that like I started to do that and people at shows would be like, wow, that's a great shirt. I love that shirt, you know? And I'd be like, oh, hot topic, man. Who'd have thunk? <laughs> They're coming in clutch. That's like, hilarious. Before Christmas shirt. Like everybody is like, wow, dude, I love Nightmare Before Christmas. And so like, it's then a thing that like they remember, you know? And it helps like, helps your band out. That is so, mm-hmm. yeah, like funny. Just standing out. Yeah. So that, that was the uh, stuff where when he saw me working, he was like, that's are you sure you're the right guy because he was like you don't look like a rock star you know and i was like yeah okay fair enough <laughs> but maybe i can try you know and so i really started dressing up you know just like different for the gigs i guess you know and i put my contacts in and like i had like these bracelets and stuff that i'd wear and you know it was all just like to kind of get the imagery down so that if we had videos and photos, we could send them to the agency and then they could send them to the venues and they'd be like, this is a band that we got. They look like this. Most of the venues, that book, that kind of stuff, they're, they don't even listen to the music. They're just like, yeah, those guys look good. Get them here, you know? Yeah. But like, there's not really people from the casinos like, do you have any of their tracks, you know? They're just like, yeah, show me some headshots of that band. You're like, yeah, that's good, you know? That's and interesting. I've seen it happen, dude, where... You know, certain guys, because, you know, the guys in my band, not me, I, I didn't play any part in getting in good with the agency. I just joined the band at a good time, you know. But the guys that really had the relationship with the agency, I've seen other people go to them, like, dude, can you put me through with, with this guy, you know, and, like, tell him that I have this band, like, here's some of our, here's our YouTube channel or something. And, like, the guy will text back right away and just be like, pass, you know, it's like a cutthroat, you know, like industry. So that's why, even though it seems a little goofy, like, yeah, I got to wear this like little tight shirt for this performance, but it, it it actually makes all the difference, you know? It's like, even though it's more so about the music, you don't even get to play the music if you don't look the part in the cover scene, you know? Damn. So, yeah, it's it's definitely a thing that I had to personally adapt to because... You know, doing my original music, it's like I kind of just dress like myself, you know? Like, I go out there and, like, I'm just playing the part of Lee. So it's like, wear my baseball cap, my glasses, it's all good, you know? I look like what I look like, it's no big deal. But, yeah, definitely the cover band scene was like, nah, you got to look like you're a rock star, you know? You got to make these people believe that, like, you like we're all famous musicians, you know? Right. Even though, like, we're just going back to work <laughs> during the week anyway, you know? No, it's crazy. The persona, it's a hot topic thing is funny. Yeah, yeah that's where I got all my shirts from, dude. I love that. That's it's crazy. Ah, <laughs> uh, so no, I'm just laughing about that. The next thing that I wanted to talk about that actually just popped into my mind, I hadn't planned on talking about this, but you used to, I don't think anymore, teach guitar as well, correct? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Not doing no, it currently. It, I haven't done it in a little while, just because, you know, ever since the, uh, um, the pandemic, I really had to uh, cling to the full time opportunities that I've had since 
all this stuff went down, you know, because obviously the gigs sort of dried up, mm-hmm. you know. So that was a pretty steady source of income for me. So now I'm just like rolling with the full time thing, you know, so I haven't had as much time to dedicate to to teaching. Um, but I'm definitely still open to it, you know, and it's like it can that's something that's kind of easy to do on the side because it can just be a smaller commitment. If you just have a couple students, you can only you could just do it on one day and, you know, make it work. Um, so I do have like a sort of, I still think that I have like a passion for it, you know, like mm-hmm. sharing what I know about music with people if, you know, if they're interested. Uh, when originally, like, did you start doing that? Um, the first time that I started to teach music was when I moved out to Arizona, uh, which would have been like four years ago, four or five years ago, a little bit less than five years ago, I guess. Um, just because I went out there and then I was like really like on my own, you know, like fending for myself. And so I was looking for ways to make extra money. I was working a full-time repair tech job at that time also. Um, and that was fine, you know, but I just figured like I got two days off. So I'll spend one of those days doing some lessons. And I did some like private lessons there, you know, I had a few students, one kid I taught about repair stuff actually. Hmm. Um, but I was still kind of like, figuring out how to teach music. Um, when I was younger than that, I used to do these like game design classes. I, that was like one of my jobs mm-hmm. was, I was like a, an assistant instructor for this company that did these game design courses. So we would take, you know, classes of like 20 students and teach them about like Game Maker or Construct or like any of these different programs where you could kind of build your own video games, you know? Whoa. I know it's really yeah. Cool. I had no idea. It was um, like uh, it was definitely a fun job to have. As like I was like eighteen, you know. So where was that? You said uh, uh, it was kind of all over these different places. You know, I worked for this one like parent company, but we would go to different um, like community colleges and stuff, and like work out of there during their the summertime. You know, so there's like summer classes for kids that go down like at Brookdale. You know, hmm. I did. We would do like the sort of game design once then then there's like other companies that run like art classes and stuff like that you know and they kind of do the same thing well yeah. yeah that's sick. yeah, we yeah. Do game design stuff so it's sort of you know i was like well I, I learned music you know and i do guitar and stuff so i may as well try to teach guitar if i have this background in teaching you know but there was definitely uh like i had to adapt a little bit because i had only done this sort of classroom instruction so you're doing the one-on-one stuff it's like it's very different, you know. You really gotta have to a each. more directive, like approach to yeah. it, you know. Uh, I had no idea that you were doing video game design ever. What like what got you into that? Like it was actually a company that, um, like when I when I was transitioning from like being in school studying math to like studying music, you know, I wound up like coming back home from the college that I was going to, which was Rowan. I came back home and I was going to Brookdale, you know, and that was like the company that my dad had worked for, but he did like multimedia production. So he did like a whole different, he wasn't an instructor there. He worked in the office mm. and he was like, yeah, I work for this company that every summer, like they hire on new instructors to teach these courses and they'll train you in the course and they give you free access to the software. So I was like, oh man. That sounds great. I'm coming home from school right now. It's like just about to be summertime. So I'm like, let's do it, you know? And I wound up doing that for like maybe three or four years. Um, 
and it was cool. Like I, I definitely like I learned a lot from it, and it was great work experience because I was just working the, you know, straight for that whole time before I found the whole Luthery thing, you know. But then yeah, when I went out to AZ, I was like, I have a little bit of experience teaching, so. You know, if there's anybody who needs guitar lessons, I definitely, you know, can figure that out, I guess, you know. And then since then, I've had like a lot of like dozens of students, I guess. So like I've been able to really hone the the process, you know. I feel like I've come a long way since my first couple students, which I, I probably just was like running them too hard, you know. Yeah. Just like learn this song exactly like this. But it's like, you know, it's a stepwise process. So now I start people off with like, you know, easier stuff. And if they want to learn something that I feel is out of their scope, then I'm like, let's learn this other thing that will help us get there, you yeah. know, or let's learn this easier version of that so that you're not trying to focus on complicated chord shapes, getting your hands used to the guitar, playing in time and, you know, like all these nuances. Right. It's like, let's just do these easy chord shapes for now and you can build up your rhythm, you can build up your hand strength, you know, and... We can learn the, you know, more intricate parts later when you've got this down. You mm -hmm. know? Right. Yeah. I a little while ago, I had, I've had like I dabbled in like teaching music yeah. a little bit. I had like two, three students, and it didn't really like go well. Didn't really go further and stuff. And I think <laughs> it was for that very same yeah. reason. So now, like, starting off with too much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or at least like explaining it in the way that makes sense to me, but yeah. that obviously it doesn't do anything because the whole point of teaching is trying to get someone who doesn't understand it to understand sure. it. That's why with Jack, like Jack, you're, you're obviously not like a student of mine, but sometimes I'll teach you like bass you, stuff. Like I'm teacher, going really, a teacher of mine. I'm going really slow. Like I'm just like, cause like there'll be times where you ask me like, though, you know? why, like, why is that like that? I'm like, don't ask that question yeah. right now. <laughs> like, don't, don't, don't worry about it. Explain to you later. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's a can steps. of worms that you don't want to open. First, yeah. But yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely get that, you know, and like I said, it was for sure something that I had to adapt to, you know, um, and, and each student is different, you know, doing teaching music when you are working with somebody individually, half of it is just like feeling out where they're at and trying to understand what they're really grasping, you know, like I could tell you in words that make sense to me how this works, but if that doesn't work for you, then I'm going to have to find a way to rephrase it and stuff you know and, and i think that that's what really makes a teacher like somebody who's good at something won't necessarily be the best teacher at it you know all these great guitar players are like almost incapable of of bringing it down to a basic level you know um but the important thing more so than wherever you're, you're at with your your individual skill level is being able to interpret it you know, into like different ways, you know, so I could try to explain it in a very basic way, whatever the topic is, you know, but you also have to be able to readjust that if somebody doesn't get it and it's like, okay, instead of that, look at it this way. So if you are limited to one way of explaining something, then it's all going to fall apart the second you get a new student, you know? Right. Right. It definitely makes you think of music in another way. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, on the topic of teaching, were you ever in a position or ever thought about having like a luthiery apprentice? Um, I don't know if I'm at a level with that stuff where I could 
really do that. I mean, I, I've taught some people like some of my tips and tricks and everything, you know. Um, but it would be hard to take on an apprentice because it's like I wouldn't be able to like pay them, you know. Right. I'd be like, yeah, I mean, you will be gifted the gift of knowledge, you know. And if you want to like sit with me while I do work that I'm getting paid for, then you know, be my guest. Um, but yeah, it's just like, I haven't really gotten that to a level where I could take somebody on, you know, to share business with, you know? Um, but I'd for sure be interested in that. I did have one student that I taught like repairs things just for himself, you know, cause he was going to a music school and he was going to like study guitar at like Berkeley or something. So he was like, I don't need guitar lessons. Like I'm a fucking child project prodigy yeah you are dude you're dope and he was like but when i get there i want to be able to take care of my stuff and make sure that it's all good and honestly charge the other kids at berkeley who all brought their guitars you know he's like i'm the only one who knows how to change pickups and do setups then i'm the guy you know so yeah i had him for a couple weeks where i just like i would meet with him once a week and show him how to do different stuff like that you know facts it seems like a hard thing to like kind of i guess like teach in depth though without like a a long span of time to do like yeah and it always depends on the job too um there are certain basics that it would be easy for me to show somebody how to do but then there's other things where it's like the only way to get to learn how to do this is to do it you know so we gotta have a guitar that we can just refret you know and you might not want to do that with like your go-to guitar that you have at home, you know, because the first couple of times probably won't be at a professional level, you know? So it's like, I could show you how to refret a guitar, but first you're going to have to get a junk guitar, you know, to practice on. Right. Yeah. That's like, I have a lot of junk guitars at my house right now. So I guess, I, you know, I guess maybe it could happen, you know? I remember, um, many not many years ago but like a little little while ago before i even thought about getting the job where i have now um i went to the very same place that i work but it was like um what job you know the job (laughs) at the place um oh the the job of the okay the job at the place but i very same store very same place maybe like a year and a half I'd say or two years maybe before I like went in there to actually get like the job I have now. I went in and I spoke to the store leader and I was like, Hey, like I want to, uh, I was like, do you guys have like, <laughs> do, you, do you, uh, shit, I'm gonna do your, uh, do your, uh, like guitar, like guitar techs, uh, are any, like interested in like taking an apprentice of like, or anything like that or any like positions like that open? They were like, nah, we got some like big boy dudes in here, like who went to, uh, like school specifically for luthier things. And I was like, cool, I'm a dip. <laughs> and so I was like, nah, they're not, they can't do that. We got like stuff that needs to get done. So bye. And I was like, all right then. It would be tricky for me to do that at at work yeah because a lot of times the you have stuff you have to get done like, yeah it's true there's just customers to take care of and stuff you know and the, they'd have to be getting paid like legally yeah, probably yeah, if no they're doubt. working it's better sure. if you're like a private pr- 
practice like luthier for who does like your yeah, no commission stuff because then you can be like yeah they got this commission and i told the dude to expect it in like a couple of months or something like that and i yeah, can show you sure. these, this process and how it's done you know so definitely private practice the way to go uh one question that i wanted to double back to is you were talking about the video games video game design yes yeah, so i want yeah. to go back to um, that too. Are, like i mean i'm a fucking avid nerd joe <laughs> joe oh earlier played a tiny sound clip from this game that i've played a lot of and i was like oh that's this character's ultimate ability. Okay. You can see so, the kids. You just do yeah. Dota. Who's I was Dota like, oh, too. that's Bloodseeker's ult. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, there you go. Nice. Um, but so do you, like, were you growing up, were video games a big thing for you? Um, I definitely had the ones that I was into. I, I wouldn't say that I was, like, a huge gamer, like, comparatively to a lot of the other people that I came across when I was working that job. A lot of those guys were you're sort of, like, textbook gamers. That's, like, you know... Hours yeah, a day. That's what they're doing all day, yeah. Or they'll get like super, really good at the, these sort of online and competitive games and stuff, you know, to boot to where they're like um, competing in these, uh, you know, these like smash competitions and yeah. stuff like that. And I'd be like, man, like I like those games and I think that all that stuff is cool, but I can't, I can't hang with those guys, you mm -hmm. know, I can't do that stuff. So. You know, there was, I guess there was always a part of it where even when I was working that job, I still wanted to come home and do music, you know, like once, once work was over, I was like looking forward to playing my guitar and stuff, mm. you know? So I was more into like the video game music, you know, and I liked making little songs to put behind the games and mm, stuff yes. and, and making like yes. 8-bit tracks and stuff yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, a lot of those guys were like, you know... They they made me understand that even though like I played plenty of video games as a kid, like I was not a gamer by any means. Mm -hmm. you know? What were your like? What games stick out to you from? Yeah, your that childhood? was my question. I don't know. Like, what are some so, of your favorite uh, video games from? In general? Um, from when I was young, I was into like Super Smash Melee. That was classic stuff. Um, like Staple. Tony Hawk games, like were very tight. The Crash Bandicoot was always like near and dear to my heart. I have the Crash Bandicoot tattoos going. Right oh here. my God! You have uh, not that's not Aku Aku. That's um, the other one. This one is Uka Uka. Uka Uka. I have Aku Aku over here. Oh my Aku. God! That's the coolest tattoo I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I'm so happy about that. That one was like my favorite one. Was like Crash Bandicoot, you know. Um, but yeah, I loved uh, like the Legend of Zelda games because the music was important in those, you know. So it was one where like. I always loved the ones that were really music based. More lately, though, like I, I'm into like horror stuff, you know, scary stuff and horror movies and everything. Um, so definitely lately, I've been playing more like scary games and zombie games and stuff. Like I love playing video games and being like, oh, oh shit, you know. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, that's good stuff. Rad, dude. Interesting. <laughs> uh, so another thing that we wanted to talk about that you've mentioned was Arizona. Um, no doubt. I, I've never been happy that one of my friends <laughs> was moving before, <laughs> but I'm definitely very happy for you because I uh, know you deep. have this deep connection with that place and um it is a special place. Beautiful yeah. scenery out there. Um yeah. what to you so like you talked briefly about like being into hiking and stuff like that. For sure. When did you really tap into that like that, growing so up? So that was after I got out there. Mm. Um, so it was like something you found Arizona, later you know for school and it just was like 
there's a lot of wilderness out there, you know? So the school was in Phoenix, but we had off on the weekends and it was like, whenever you guys are not here, please go out and explore Arizona because there's a lot more to offer than downtown Phoenix, you know? So I was like, oh, cool, cool. Let's see what that's all about. And I had this like book of like things to do in Arizona, you know? And so I see one of them is like Mount Humphreys. It's the tallest mountain in Arizona. And I was like, let's do it. I'm, I'm a fit guy. I can do hikes, you know? And I get a couple of my friends and I'm like, dude, I'm going to do a road trip. I'll drive you guys. We'll go to Flagstaff, which is like three hours north of Phoenix. And I'm like, we'll do this, this mountain. We'll do this sweet hike and it'll be dope, you know? So we go up there. We start doing this hike very shortly into it. I'm like, this is really hard, dude. Like, I am not prepared for this at all. You know, it's like the tallest mountain there. So it's like an 11 mile hike, like round trip, you know? And it takes like, when I finally eventually did it years later, it took me seven hours to do. So it's like, no joke. This is how people wind up getting themselves injured is because they go into that stuff without knowing what they're going into. You know, people don't bring enough water and stuff. So pretty quickly into the first time I'm doing it with my two friends, we were like, yeah, this is way too intense, dude. Like, let's just find a spot to chill out, have a little picnic. And then we got to turn back. Cause like someone's going down and stuff did not have enough time, you know? So that kind of was like the first like real hike that I did. Like I've done walks and stuff here in Jersey. I've never done like a real long hike, like way out in the wilderness with sweet overlook views and stuff. Like that was the first time. But like I said, it was too hard. So I knew that I had to kind of work up to, you know, accomplishing those goals. And then I started to find uh, like smaller, shorter hikes in the area. And I did a few of those and it was like, so much fun, you know, and my favorite thing was like getting out away from the city, away from the people, you know, and going to like a little overlook on a cliff and just like being by myself or like doing a little meditation, you know, it's like the most serene thing, you know. So after I started to get into it a little bit, then I was like bumping up the intensity and I was trying to do longer, like more crazy hikes, you know. And so now I have like a couple of those under my belt and I'm trying to get into like backpacking, you know, where I just got everything I need in my one backpack and I could take a walk just for a whole weekend and like be good, you know? And so in my next trip to Arizona, which will be coming up very soon, um, I'm going to definitely try to incorporate more of those, you know, like longer trips where I'm going like, you know, 20 or 30 mile distances, you know? But over the course of like two or three days. Have you done any of those before? I've done um, like single night overnight mm. backpacking trips, you know, where I go to like a destination, camp out there, and then just come back the next day. And it's always been a lot of fun. I mean, like it's it's a different sort of thing when you're there at night. You know, you're doing these, when you're like off, when you're outside of like where everybody is at during the day, it's like still a little bit more like reassuring, like it will be easy for them to find me if they needed to, you know, like if I had to call for help or whatever, and there's still more people, like you still might pass people on the trails and stuff, depending on where you go. Um, but once it's nighttime, it's like, this is real now, you know, like we are alone out here. You're not going to see anybody. You'll hear mm -hmm. a lot of noises, but they're going to be animals, you know? And so you got to like be prepared for that and you got to know what to do with like, your food and stuff, you know, and Arizona in particular, it's full of a lot of deadly animals, you know, yeah, I was about to ask. And 
uh, like mountain lions and scorpions, bears and stuff. Bro, you, you got know? mountain lions down there? That's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that's probably the one that like is least likely that you would encounter. You know, they're pretty reclusive sort of, you know. Um, but you definitely could. And if the more remote areas that you go to, the more likely it is to see something that you wouldn't typically see in a populated area, you know. And that's like, that's my jam. I try to get away from the people. So it's always like you're running the risk of running into some animal out there, you know. I've you, definitely seen some like rattlesnakes and stuff on the trail, you know. Damn. I mean, braver man than I do. Mountain yeah. lions are fucking terrifying things. <laughs> yeah. Dude. So, like, what do you bring as a mountain lion deterrent? Well, the, the main thing is to just make noise. Yeah. You know, um, a mountain lion doesn't want to eat something as big as a person because it's too much of a struggle. Most cats are like trying to sneak up on shit, you know? So if you're like making your presence known and just making noise, you got a fire going and stuff, bigger animals typically will stay away from you, you know? But that's also why you got to tie up your food, you know? Cause you don't want them sneaking up on that. Um, so it's really like the small ones that you got to look out for because they're the ones that's easy to look past, you know? Like when I, so the rattlesnake, the one time that it actually was like rattling at me, like, dude, it's a sound that like lives in my head now, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I just was walking down the trail like during the day, you know, like, I mean, it was like, it was sort of like dusk, like the sun had just gone down. So we still have some sunlight, but you know, I'm like feeling good. I don't even really have my flashlight going yet. And so I'm just like barreling down the trail. Like, yeah, who cares, dude? And I stepped really close to this rattlesnake. Fuck. And so, you know. He, like, sees me coming the whole way. I don't see him. He's all coiled up. But as soon as I step too close, he just, like, jumps up. And it's like, you know? He's, like, hissing and rattling at me, dude. And I, like, jumped, like, six feet in the air. <laughs> dude, so, you know, up you, and out of your skin. you got to look out for because it's yeah. like, you know, he knew I was there, dude, but I didn't see him at all, you know? Yeah, no, at least they warn you. you know? Yeah, at least yeah. yeah, at least the rattlesnake will be like, I'm letting you know to get away from me. But sure. the thing that scares me about a mountain lion is not the teeth or the claws. It's that you know, by the time if a mountain lion's looking at you, by the time you realize it, it's already too late. Like they'll yeah. sneak up on you real, real easily. Yeah, and they do like stalk. Exactly. Too. So it is a thing where it's like if you do see one, you know, rest of that trip is canceled. You got to go back to where you're safe. You know, right. if you, even if it means turning around, going back the way you came, it's like, there's no messing around with those things, you know? Yeah. Right, luckily, I've never seen one, but they do have them in like the Grand Canyon and stuff. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you're going to the visitor center, you probably won't see something like that. But if you're going to do the rim to rim hike where you go, hike through the Grand Canyon, camp out overnight, like halfway down, you know, then you want to be looking out for that kind of stuff because it's very remote and secluded. You know, I hope you never ever have to see one. Yeah, <laughs> really. Do. I saw a video Same. like I don't know last like month or so. I might have shown it to you. I forget, but there was a guy and he like stumbled upon some like little cubs, like oh, little, yeah. uh, mountain lion cubs. And uh, yeah, that's definitely spooky, dude. Yeah, and then that, the mountain like, the mom's not too far away, you know. Yeah, and so he's like backing up, and like it's like pouncing forward and like yeah. smashing, smacking oh, the yeah, ground. Show me yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like just backing up, like get the fuck out of here! He's like, go the fuck away! He's like, you it's don't want to eat me. It's definitely scary stuff, but it also like makes me feel alive. Like I have this like. Um, Are you one of those like adrenaline a, dudes? Yeah, you uh -huh. know, I definitely need the 
I need to like go do these hikes where I can like look off the edge of the cliffs and stuff like that, you know? And I like when I see animals on there, even if they are scary. Like when I saw the rattlesnake, I was like, that was dope. And I've told that story a hundred times since then, you know, it's like, that's like one of my cool stories, <laughs> being out there, you know? So I definitely love that stuff. And I like to like go into caves and shit, you know? Ooh, spelunking. Yeah. That's like scary stuff too. I mean, most of the caves I've been to in Arizona have been ones that were like heavily trafficked enough that there's nothing in there. Right? Mm-hmm. You can just kind of go in. It's like no big deal. Um, but when I was doing one of these cross-country road trips, I went into this cave in Missouri and it was like, it, it was totally full of bugs, you know? Yeah. And I didn't know until I got in there. And then I'm like, I'm in this cave. I'm walking around. I'm like, this is dope. I go to take a selfie and like my flash from the camera turns on. And the ceiling of the cave is like completely blanketed in like cave crickets. Oh. And so I was like, oh my God, dude, I gotta get out of here. I wasn't sure if like from the flash they were gonna just like start jumping down, like yeah. raining down on me, you know? So I was like, I gotta like move slow and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like turning the flashlight on in the cave, bunch of bats. Yeah. Well, it, like, was, wow. that was, it was scary. But it was another one where I was like, whew, okay, now my heart's beating and I feel alive. You know? <laughs> Got my thrill for the day. I'm yeah. going to set up a tent. <laughs> yeah. That was a good one. That was fun. That's amazing, man. I love that. It's it's crazy you mentioned, uh, you know, being alone out there and stuff. Because that's always something I was interested in wanting to do. But I don't know if I can. Um, most of the time in times of my life where I've been at like the really darkest moments is when I've been alone. and I Because yeah. I really sink into my own head and I'm very like social, I guess. Um, but I was reading somewhere that, um, humans in general have kind of developed this very like pseudo pack mentality kind of thing, like yeah. kind of similar to wolves. I, mean, I feel that. Cause like. You with, can only go for so long by yourself before you really start to like go nuts. It's definitely. Exactly. Yeah. True. But now like a pack, a pack of wolves, for example, like when they're making noise, they're comfortable they're safe like when a pack of like if you're a single wolf and the rest of the pack goes quiet then everyone gets anxious because like it's just like why why is everyone quiet like you know what i mean so and we as humans have the same thing like you're at a party you're drinking beer you're doing you're having a good time and all of a sudden the room goes dead it's like who who said something fucked up like like what happened something's (laughs) gonna have some anxious thing where they got to be like so uh i mean what's everybody doing exactly (laughs) so how you been It's true, dude. Um, Joe, do you have anything else notable that you would like to bring up? I got a couple things. That I, I got a couple things, but they're like oh, little small guys. Go ahead, man. All right. Um, one of the things that like I stands out in my mind about you, and like definitely kind of inspired me to do it myself is like. You're one of the only people I know that's like always eating right or like that I see like whenever you're in the break room heating up your lunch, I'm like, ah, that looks good. And it smells like it would make me feel good. Yeah. You're always eating your vegetables and stuff like that. Um, Like, um, you're always cooking. This is like really important to me and, Mm -hmm. and to my family and stuff. We just definitely like we're raised that way to be like going to the gym every day and stuff, you know? Um, since transitioned to a home workout because of all the craziness that's been going down, you know, but, um, 
pull up bar the right up there. I'll bang out a few. <laughs> Not going to a fucking gym. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say though, the older that I get, and I guess the older that anybody gets, the more that you realize it's like fitness is so much nutrition. You mm-hmm. know, so you can go to gym as much as you want, you know, but until you start eating right, it's like not even gonna matter, you know, like it's just such a high percentage of it is like what you put into your body. And like, you know, you guys see me like at a good time during the day when I am able to kind of stick with that stuff, you know, I, you know, I I definitely fall apart when I get home. I saw that Snapchat story. And it's like the first, what did you say? The first, um, the first part, the first to step like, towards recovery is admitting you have a problem. <laughs> it, it was, was three empty bags, Reese's, you know, <laughs> like, this is like, my, uh, like that's, three that's my, big bags. That's definitely where like, that's, that's my weak link. You know, like, <laughs> once I get the Reese's, I have to eat them until they're all gone. You know? <laughs> So I get these like big bags. I'm like, this will last me a week, and it's like, yeah, it lasts <laughs> and that me two shit's hours. gone two <laughs> oh hours God. later. Yeah. I've I've fallen into that so many times. I definitely like growing up was the biggest fucking like sugar addict in the world. Yeah, and so like as I got older and I like could drive my car to Walmart and like buy some candy, like it. As I was driving by after work or whatever, go fucking crazy, and then I'd be like, "Oh yeah, like this will last me a while," and then like I eat the whole fucking thing, no and I like feel like I'm gonna die. Yeah, it's I definitely uh, that's I definitely like can't control myself with the Reese's, you know. Sometimes yeah. though, I just like I give into it. I'm just like, listen, I, I go to work, you know, I do what I gotta do. Like I'm an adult, I can enjoy the things I want to enjoy, you know, but. It's definitely, you don't want to go overboard with it. No. I've been known to do that with Reese's. Yeah, that's, um, I mean, talking about, like, nutrition and health, like, I went, I would go to the gym, like, a shit ton in high school, but I was still, like, yeah. eating, like, garbage. So, like, yeah, I got, like, big, but didn't feel good or anything like that. Like, I yeah. still, like, felt super shitty. And, like, recently, like, I barely work out. Like, I do push-ups and pull-ups every day and, like, some yoga, but, like, I just started eating right and yeah like cooking my own food every single day and it's like ridiculous like the amount of change that i see in myself sure. and it's like drop and, like and 20 30 pounds just from feel too you know yeah it's eat like good feel good it's it's easier to go hard with the workouts if you're eating right you know mm-hmm. because you'll feel better you know whereas eating a bunch of sugar is like you know, it's just going to make you feel sleepy at the, you know, like once the sugar rush is passed, it's just going to knock you out, you know? And so it's really hard to be like trying to maintain a good like workout routine with a really crappy diet, you know? Not that I haven't, you know, put some hours in trying to do that, <laughs> but no, nah, it definitely, it definitely is a game changer when you can kind of just like, you know, figure out the healthy foods that you like and just stick to them, you know? That's one of the, like, one of the things that I always found interesting about, like, the concept of, like, cheat days. Yeah. is like, so you're going to eat really healthy for six days and feel real fucking good, and then you're going to eat a fucking pie of pizza, and then Monday when you're going to the gym, you're going to feel like fucking dog shit. Yeah, no doubt. And your stomach's going to be turning. There's, like, like split, you- uh, split schools of thought on that stuff, because I've heard some people say, like, you you can't you can't cheat on your diet, you know, it's just like, it's counterintuitive. You just can't do it, you know? Um, but then there's other people that are like, 
you know, you got to have this diet so that you eat right most of the time, you know. But and then can enjoy. You, you don't have to deny yourself the pleasures of being a human, you know. It's like sometimes you just got to have a piece of chocolate cake. It's all good, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're not all trying to be like Hollywood movie stars, you know. So, like, it's it's okay to have a piece of chocolate cake every now and again. You yeah. Know? Right. I feel like it. it the, the concept of cheat days only works on, like, the two opposite drastics, like, drastic ends of the spectrum. Like... If you are someone who's like going to the gym specifically because they want to get into shape or like really like commit to, you know, changing your lifestyle, then a cheat day is probably not going to work. But if you're someone who just does, you know, tame workouts, like maybe two, two times a week, you know, just to, you know, be a little bit in shape and stuff, then like a cheat day, one cheat day a week, or you can just eat a little bit of, you know, whatever you want is not bad and like you know you do it yeah or on the other end of the spectrum you're someone who's been who's already in pretty good shape and has already committed like made that drastic life change and now it's your that crazy workout routine and healthy lifestyle is already in there and you have a cheat day maybe like once every four months or something like that and like you eat that junk like the day before your rest day so that way you don't have that situation where you Mm. go to the gym the next day and you feel like like ass it depends too on like who you are you know and like what your like self-control is like you know right because if a cheat day is going to be something that knocks you off the wagon you know where it's like now the next day now i'm going to be craving all that stuff that i got to eat yesterday then it probably would be something that's better to avoid or keep in a more regulated like moderation you know um but if you're somebody that's like really strict with yourself and you can be like, yeah, I, I will allow myself that one piece of chocolate cake, but like, that's it. Right. Yeah, I'm not going to have a second one and I'm not going to crave one tomorrow or next week, or, you know, then it's like, oh, that's probably not a big deal. You yeah. Know? I had a, a buddy, my, uh, my, uh, my old drummer, big like bodybuilder type dude, you know, like a bodybuilder builder, but he's big lifting dude. He lifts like every day and he's been doing it forever nice. and stuff. And like, dude's huge, but he like, you know, still eat like, you know, the stuff he eats, like we're hanging out, you know, drink yeah. some beer, eat, eat a couple slices of pizza or whatever. But he, he told me one time is like, once you get to a certain level of like doing that, then like sometimes like obviously not all the time, but like sometimes you kind of stop thinking about like the macros, like fats, protein yeah. and stuff like that. Like definitely if you're like focusing on muscle and stuff, like he still thinks about like protein and certain yeah, carbs and sure. stuff like that. But like if you're doing that transformation, like to change your body or whatever, then you got to think about that. But at a certain point, like you just start thinking about calories because when you do like such intensive workouts, like it's like that number of calories is simply a unit of fuel for me to like yeah. use and stuff. So that's why dudes like The Rock, for example, like the famous Rock Cheat Day that I'm sure you've heard about. I'm not familiar. If you not know, you not know about The Rock's like big cheat day? No. What, he has one about? like The Rock has one cheat day a year <laughs> and that must dude be fucking glorious. Dude goes hard my man. Like yeah. he eats a fuck ton of pancakes. He's like shit the and like He's a big guy <laughs> Oh my god. But see that's the thing. The dude like The Rock is way up there to where it's like all of that is just calories and like he will yeah. shred I mean, that it's shit. Not even just that he's such a big dude, you know, but it's also that like the amount of calories that a guy who does workouts that are that intense burns in a day. Exactly. So many, you know, like Michael Phelps was not nearly as big as the rock. He's like a slim guy, right. but he would eat thousands of calories. Exactly. Because he like uses it. 5,000 calories like, yeah, a day or five something. Five or 6,000. You know? yeah. 
ridiculous shit. You know what's fascinating? If I don't know if either of you guys have ever like kind of looked into it, but like professional eating is like I know everyone. Yeah, well, like, like everyone like knows competition, like, uh, ASMR like, stuff where people are just like eating a cupcake in a microphone. No, <laughs> no, no, no. A lot of pe- the only thing about it, like pe- that people know, is like the Nathan's hot dog competition yeah. or whatever. Oh, but yeah, okay, true. but there it goes like beyond that. There are, no, yeah, that, there's guys. some like crazy fucking shit that people can do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you'll see this dude who's like really skinny or at least just kind of lean and cut and they're like yeah i'm gonna eat like all of this food in like under 30 minutes and uh the calorie count is like ten thousand calories yeah and they can do that but then well, that guy's gonna like you know throw up not walk for three days, days. <laughs> but like they'll be like yeah that's like the only thing they eat for the rest of the for like that entire 24 hour period and yeah. then they go to the gym and they they can just do workouts that burn all those calories it's just like really weird stuff at how the body works it is crazy but yeah the guy who used to like always win the uh hot dog eating contest there was a guy who was like reigning champ for a few years in yeah a row. he was like totally like a skinny like japanese guy you know oh uh yeah was, i like, saw he just saw, was like, slurping him down documentary <laughs> about that dude you know a lot of the times too i think they say that it's like they don't like starve themselves beforehand because if they do that, their stomach like starts to shrink. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so like they're eating the day before and like day of and shit. Yeah, they'll eat which the, is like wild. The, I think they'll. Yeah, I think it depends. Like they'll eat the day before, but then like I guess it depends so on sick. it depends on like I guess what time the competition starts. I could but probably eat yeah. a total of like four hot dogs. Or I can only I eat. Think I, could eat like, I don't think I could eat one anymore. It wouldn't make me like <laughs> the the bun. Would yeah, just fair enough. Fuck yeah. my body. I can only eat one, dude. Probably, maybe two. I don't know. Yeah, Music podcast, talk about yeah, food. yeah. So <laughs> back from that little tangent, um, the one other thing, because I mean, I can hear it in your music, and I know you as a person, right? Uh, if you'd like to talk a little bit about one Here of my is. favorite subjects, one of Joe's. Here it is. Least favorite subjects. It's not my least favorite subject. It's kind of fascinating that you bring it up every fair. Episode. Um, go ahead, do it psychedelics yeah there it is do we want to open that can of worms i mean that definitely is a, a can of worms you know uh i've opened it before definitely have opened it and i've certainly uh benefited from the sort of creative inspiration that you can get from opening that can of worms you know um yeah i mean you know I think that like there's like there's there's a finite amount to what you can get from that kind of thing, you know. So like the idea in experiencing something like that is not like to experience it all the time, you know. But I definitely think that um, the occasional rewiring of your brain is like you will learn stuff about yourself, you know. Like you will learn new things about like how you choose to do things and like ways that you can do things, you know? And I've for sure benefited from that in, like, the musical directions that I've taken, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, something I'm always curious to find out is, like, how you tapped into that, um, what do I call it? I guess, mini, like, society kind of thing. Yeah. You know, like, that club. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, uh, like, the times that I... Uh, was able to find that kind of stuff for myself, you know. I just like uh, I was like, you know, I would I would kind of like find like the best time and place to do it, you know, where it's like 
I'll be uninterrupted during this time. Like I can be here and be safe and not have crazy shit going on or random people coming through, you know? And, um, yeah, I would definitely like let my mind go wherever it's going, but also music is a big part of it. You know, like you got to keep the right music going, you know, and be listening to the right stuff. Uh, so a lot of times I'll have my guitar with me. It's like, it's almost like a crutch that like grounds me to the real world, you know? Mm, and I'll jam along to the music. If I got nothing else to, to like another avenue that I'm going down in my head or something, then that's, it is what it is. But, uh, but definitely if I'm like, all right, let me need to get grounded back to the real world, then I'll just like focus on the music, you know? So I've definitely had plenty of jams, you know, sort of trippy jams where, uh, I've just, I was just improvising along with some song or trying to just learn it by ear, you know, and found kind of a new thing about guitar that stood out to me that I was like, wow, I didn't even realize that mm -hmm. you play this in this way. That's the sound that it makes, you know? Yeah. Do you have any, like off the top of your head, songs out or coming out that were inspired by like an experience like that? Um, that's that's kind of like what the secret is about actually like that's that's almost like what the secret is you know is like it's got this trippy inspiration to it you know um but it was like without that i don't know if i ever would have come up with that song you mm -hmm. know um but listening to it, it's like you can't necessarily tell but i definitely like wrote the main riff of that song like in during a trippy experience you know psychedelic experience and you know i definitely really enjoyed like making that and then coming coming out of it you know like obviously it's it's too much work to really do that kind of thing like record a song yeah you know, like, that <laughs> that's a lot yeah so yeah to just like yeah so put a voice memo and be like from it. i remember like what it was and then when i got the opportunity i recorded it and I was kind of going from a thing of like, if I was in that state of mind again, would I enjoy listening to this? You know, because there are certain things that I like a lot normally, but if I'm in a psychedelic mood, I'm like, like I said, I like horror movies and stuff. It's not like I want to nah. take some mushrooms and watch a horror movie. No. That would be a no-go. Awful. It's a bad idea. Bad. Like miserable idea. Don't yeah. do it. <laughs> do not. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> some of the some of the that's that's where some of the inspiration is it's like being that i know what it's like to experience that you know it's like would i enjoy this in that state of mind you know and that's kind of where like this the secret came from like that's what that one is you know mm -hmm. not all of those songs but definitely that song in particular so i guess my my description as psychedelic <clears throat> is accurate uh yeah for sure <laughs> um well there you go. Um, homework for all the listeners. Eat some mushrooms and watch a scary movie. No. <laughs> we do not advocate drug use on this podcast, Jack. You won't do it. Don't do it, dude. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Jokes. You yeah. get us sued. <laughs> yeah. But everyone should. Grandma, if you're listening, do it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Grandma should do it. Uh, everyone should go listen to The Secret by Eddie yes. Frazier. Yes. Absolutely. Do you do you have anything else, Joe? Uh no. I think that's pretty much it for me. Uh, Lee, do you have anything that we didn't talk about that you would like to talk about? Hmm. Yeah, anything you just want to spit the shit about? Uh, so it's kind hey, of point of a podcast. What's on your chest right now? You just want to like, you got 
We well, just so I got a cool, cool, cool. <laughs> I got two tattoos. <laughs> that's what. <laughs> nah, I mean, you know, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good. I talked about all the aspects of my life, every single one. In <laughs> we did depth. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's all. Now there's like there's nothing else. You know, I'll be telling you about like yeah. Sometimes I drive. <laughs> put my shoes on you know do laundry sometimes i tie them <laughs> um Never, dude i just tie them once and then i leave them like that forever that's what i do too i <laughs> with most of my shoes i used to do that as I, said, I, I can't believe that little comment brought up a funny story i used nice. to do that i know so many people who do that and i'm all i'm usually like when me and a group of friends are going out the door to go somewhere i'm usually the last person out because i gotta put my shoes on and tie them up because I tie my shoes really tight, and yeah, it will stretch out the shoe. It's true. It's a, if you if you don't do that, you know. Oh well, the the reason why I did I stopped doing that is because back when I was younger and a bit of a rap scallion, and I was <laughs> hanging out with some friends. We were in a park and we were like doing a substance we should not have been doing. <laughs> we got <laughs> and uh, we were smoking As weed. Young kids do, yeah, and uh, which we adv- which we now <laughs> advocate because it's legal. Oh, that's yeah you know just smoke it if you want who cares it is but, legal now so go smoke some weed i can legally say that i, I think <laughs> i i think pretty sure yeah maybe hopefully you can go I mean, do it if you cool. want don't come it's after cool. me but uh we just tight we got the uh we got the flashlights popped on us real quick and Ooh. and we got chased down and what really sucked is that it was kind of muddy but since i had like the shoes just only a little bit tied so i can slip them on and off um shoe flew right off me while i was booking it Dang. from the 5-0 and it, that was uh that See, sucked man. as so we, now i don't want that to ever happen even though it's yeah, not, i'm never going to be in that situation yeah, that makes sense i, I mean as we were just talking about it i did think to myself it'd probably be smart to tie them tight in case you ever had to run exactly that's that's what you i was know? saying like i'm never yeah. going to be in a situation where i have to run from a police uh, so at least yeah, I hope not. Know. You may have to run from like anything, know, like a scary monster. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, you ever see Cloverfield? I mean, you Bro, know, it could happen. It could happen, dude. It, it could. Possible. I have to run for any reason. I don't want my shoe flying off. Was, no doubt. Yeah. It checks out. Um, so the one last thing that I wanted to propose to you or ask you was a little bit about like the times that we're living in right now, both with COVID and just the um, general era of humanity. Yeah. Where society is right now. True. And I know like a lot probably that helps you get through it is music and nature, but um, yeah, hiking and stuff is big too, for sure. So like how, what advice would you give to people to stay focused and like, keep it together and not lose your sanity in this crazy age of technology and yeah um, it's definitely a crazy crazy world out there right now you know um but like the only thing that i could say because i think that um like a lot of us you know there's definitely times during this where i feel like i'm like hanging out by a thread you know so like you know, I wouldn't say that I'm like the the first go-to guy for like, oh, you should do what I do. And then yeah. you don't even worry about it. It's like, <laughs> I, I'm worried about it all the time. You yeah. know, I'm worried about what the future is going to be like and if it's going to be a world worth bringing kids into and stuff like that. You know, like I get worries as much as the next guy about what's yeah. happening, you know. Um, but all I can say is like, just try to stay focused, I guess, on like what it is you care about, you know, because... 
whatever you think you got can easily be ripped away very quickly, as we've seen in this last year, you know? So you just have to create for yourself the world that you want to be living in, you know? It's like, if you allow yourself to become a product of your environment, then it's really easy to be unhappy with what's going on, you know? But, you know, whatever you have control over, it's like, throw yourself into that, you know? Whatever it is you're passionate about, go do that, you know, go make it happen because you only got like this one time. It's a short amount of time that we got to do it. you know, that's why I'm going to AZ, you know, go oh, make yeah. it happen. Yes, sir. So there we have it. There we have it. Create for yourself the world you want to live in. I love hey. that's, that's what that'll stick with me. Nice. Um, thank you so much for coming. I'm, it was a great time, man. Greatly, Thanks for me, you guys. greatly saddened that you will be temporarily not in my day-to-day life, but <laughs> I am also very happy. We'll be in touch, though. Yes, we'll we will. Touch. And you gotta come visit because it'll be dope. Absolutely, yeah, it will happen. Cool. I haven't really I, known you for so long. I'm gonna make it a road. It'll be a nice road nice trip. Nice road trip, man. Yeah. A nice road trip for sure. I haven't known you for too long, Lee, but I'm sad that I won't get to like get to know you more on the like the day-to-day basis as you go but i'm very happy for you and wish you nothing but the best fortune out in az uh, thank you appreciate it, you guys and thanks for having me it was a, definitely a good time of course i will miss dearly my lunch buddy <laughs> <laughs> true um, i'll be just a snap away dude oh yeah <laughs> so my friends my family um hopefully at this point not my family because you might not like the things that we talked about at the end but whatever um check out Lee, um, your Instagram is Music of Leander. Music of Leander, that's me. Yeah, correct. Um, you can probably keep your a little link. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll have okay. it all there. Um, we'll throw it up. Keep your eyes open for House Punch, for sure. Correct, and check out the breakdown. Um, Secrets EP. It's out on Bandcamp. Uh, check it out. If you like it, download it. Like what? Five dollars help yeah. support. You know, uh, that's all we got. So, uh, signing off. Thank you if you're here. I love yes, you. Indeed. Classic. Test, test, test. Tickles, tickles, test, test, tickles. Locals only podcast what? featuring. Testicles. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually thought about that before. What's that? We should do that, like an episode of us like interviewing each other. I was thinking about that the other day, yeah. and then I was like, I don't know. I don't know. That kind of defeats the purpose of this It'd show. It'd be better but... than these weirdos that we keep. <laughs> <laughs> be like this guy. Over That'd here. be cool. And it'd still be cool, like, you know, if there's ever a time when the bookings like slow down a little bit. It's like you know what? We'll just take a little uh, take a little break here, interview yeah. each other, see what's up. Yeah. We're always asking everybody else, but no one's asking you. Yeah. Right. How are you, Jack? True. How are you doing? We could <laughs> we could we could always just have an episode <laughs> of. <laughs> How are you guys doing? We can just have an episode of two of us just talking about shit. You know. True that, dude. The beauty of the podcast, you know. True that. You can say whatever you want. I'm going to say it. All right. I'm saying it into the mic.
Everyone's going to hear it. Yeah, exactly. And then if you Fart. if you think about it and you're like, I Send shouldn't it. have said that, you just cut it out. <laughs> Delete it. I don't even want to cut it. I want everyone to know <clears throat> that I said fart right here in this room. Everyone will know. I know. That's why. Oh, are we recording? Hell yeah. That's what I'm saying. There's no taking it back now. No. This is controversial stuff. (laughs) (laughs) It's not not safe for work stuff. Pretty bad. Can't show anybody at the unnamed place where we all work. We don't work anywhere. (laughs) We don't work anywhere. True. I live off the podcast. Same. Oh, it was like you what? Very I want money. Alrighty, we've had less and less of those situations come up. Okay, so let me just chickety check myself before I wreck myself. Okay, we all good? Anyone need to pee? I'm good. I'm set. Bladders are expunged. I'm all. I'm all. For now. I'm all good, dude. I'm dried up. <laughs> oh, well, I'm wet, so. All right, well, it sounds like it's time to get started then. <laughs> Alrighty. Alrighty. Welcome. Uh, 